fucking beautiful. Yo, bro, what do you want from me? I had a rough week, dude. <laughs> I've been up since. Hey, I've been just no, not in my defense, but I've been up since seven a.m. You said. Dude, it sounds around. like a lot of excuses. I'm hearing a lot of excuses. <laughs> no, I'm just telling you the reasons, okay? My been, bad. I'm an asshole. I fell. Been up since seven a.m. Big All fucking right. deal. Jesus, what? Like that's a like so. Seven? Seven? Yeah, I mean, I've been running around like an asshole, dude, all right? So, I've been up since seven, like all normal adult men. <laughs> no. No, not like normal adult men. What? Like, are you, you act like you're 16 and you sleep in until 11 and shit on Sundays. Like, no. What the fuck? You know, but yo, you at least usually I fucking get some, you know? I, dude, I haven't gotten to sleep this week. I had my kid all week. It's been rough, so. Uh, what the fuck? Uh, it's unfucking believable. I'm just in. I'm fucking. I'm completely in shock. It's 4:20 your time. West Coast 4:20, dude. Me and the producer are fucking hitting bong hits for 4:20, and you're just sitting there dicking around. No, I'm looking at. Uh, Is that a joint in your hand or a cigarette? That's a joint. All right. Well, good. All right. <laughs> what are you smoking? <laughs> Zombie you OG. <laughs> Zombie yeah, OG. Bro. <laughs> Zombie OG. <laughs> I still got a bunch of it left, dog. <laughs> God damn. Well, yo, bro, let's look at that bullshit well, you got. Well, here's the thing. Um, I have, I've had my kid the last two weeks, right? So, bro, Oh, yeah, yeah. So you haven't been smoking shit. Dude, oh, you're going to be of, high as fuck from the end of this show, huh? Dude, the amount of weed, like, I haven't been, you know, that's, again, cool. Part of the reason why I'm fucking late, right? I probably smoked too much in the morning and fucking You did, because Matt was like, totally. well, wait. He's like, did you talk to him? And I'm like, like three hours ago, I was like, I'll talk to you in a couple hours. Like, I didn't think he was going out. Like, no, maybe something easy. happened. No, and we were dude, smoking. Listen. I was like, he was smoking a joint in the house. So the kid wasn't there, and man. That, everything's that's, cool. That's, that's what happened. I, I, yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly what happened. What fucking I got happened. too fucking high and passed the fuck out. Bro, <laughs> that's right? hilarious. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm smoking Fairfax 4-Way this week. We, uh... Just, we just uh, harvested it and so what sucks right is like i didn't uh so this strain's been around forever and i didn't keep the cut it's still in the family and actually we're working on uh some tissue culture is it, on it and is uh, it indica is it indica or sativa what is for I've so never uh four ways old school so sensi seeds had the strain back in the 90s and it was uh and our producer can probably forward us exactly what the breakdown was but it was like the, a four-way cross of their best Are you putting on headphones do I need to? No, just check. Okay. Um, it's like a four-way cross of their best indoor strains at the time. And I think it was like an Afghani and some, I don't know, whatever the fuck it was. The, the seeds were all over the place. There was a buddy of ours that we knew that uh, still know uh, that popped them back in the mid-90s. And it, it's what circulated around a bunch of deadhead kids. And So is it, um, is it a, it's a hybrid then? Uh, Pakistani. Indian, Afghani, and skunk number one. Um, yeah, hybrid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an indica-leaning hybrid, I guess. I mean, as far as current, you know, the way that people that go to dispensaries would say that shit. Uh, but yeah, it's real skunky. Like the one that everybody loves is it's it's got a, it smells like a skunk's ass kind of. It lost some of its juice over the years, and I just ran a hydro run of it and. Uh, it's really good, man. Like, I mean, it has some issues. The plant, like, you'll have random dead branches and shit, depending on how it's grown. Like, you may have, like, a plant just randomly fucking die. Like, it's a weird thing. So, hence, they're is trying it, to... Isn't, 
isn't that every strain like that? You know what I mean? Isn't it like every strain, don't you have like a little weird nuance that you got to deal with? Or is that just... Some are dead some, stable, right? Like some of the, the ones that have been around for 20, 30 well, years. Like you, you've told, yeah. well, you, like you told me OG Kush is a kind of a pain in the ass, right? They're all a bitch, yeah. Like the real OGs are all a fucking nightmare to deal with. It's not a strain that was bred because of its resiliency, like, or the, because it was hardy and easy to grow or anything. It was just dank as fuck. And so... Sure. You know, people well, yeah. because it was chronic. Well, if, if you, I mean, I don't know. You obviously know more when the, the OG Kush strain hit hit the scene, right? I, I have, you know, I got, I didn't discover that until probably it was around already. You know what it I mean? was around in the, it was around in Florida in the mid to late nineties, like as like that Triangle Kush that was down out of Florida was really, you know, one of the godparents of all the OG that then eventually came out of. California, which is where everybody really knows it from. But even that headband that circled around up in the Humboldt area that was one of the OGs, that really came from New York. Adam really? Dunn's crew that, and all that do you remember um do you remember a strain called church, church weed or whatever? They used mm -hmm. to call that in, in Cali. Maybe that was just like the beginning, right? Of uh of Kush. Because I remember that was like the first like really stinky kind of weed. I remember going to Cali and I was like, yo, church weed, church weed. That was like the real. Uh, yeah, everybody had a first, term for like California called it crippy and shit too. And then people would have like different geographies that shit was from. And I mean, back in the dead show days, it was all just kind bud. And you would get different stuff. Yeah, different sure. Places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just assuming there's, you know, like we didn't, we didn't call it kind bud in New York. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, you, well, know you guys mean, were so getting just, diesel and shit up there too, right? Like from the 90s, you guys were getting, you know, I mean, Chem 91 was popped up there in the early 90s. And so the yeah, diesel but, was really look, in New York. If you remember the last episode, we talked about this a little. New York is always just a little different. You know what I mean? The way that things yeah. happen. And, all are fucking weirdos. I get it. Yeah. So it's, it's you know what I mean? Even now, like, it's, you know, everyone's into good weed, but like, like you know, like with strains and, 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 and uh, hybrid, you know, Indica sativa, people are just kind of like, eh, you know, it's good weed. You know what I mean? I still know dudes like that that are just like, dude, I just like good weed, man. Like, you guys yeah. make it all so complicated. <laughs> but it's like, yo, that, that's what we're trying to tell you is the difference of good weed. Some people like, don't you know, care, though, right? Like, yeah. as long as it's really dank, I mean, you know, they, they just want, they, they leave that up to the geeks to worry about. And just when I say I want something really chronic, bring me something really chronic. You know, yeah. I get it. Right. Well, real quick, hey, let's get into, uh, dude. So, yeah, see, seeing as we're late as balls and you were sleeping beauty today, let's fucking uh, blast hey, listen. some shit and then get our guest on too. I got high as fuck. All right, excuse <laughs> me. <laughs> My tolerance level has. <laughs> Haven't quit, dude. A couple of days taken off, man, and like, I mean, you said I mean, though, in the last like, in the last week, high. in the last week, I think I smoked like in the, a total of like two joints. You know what I mean? Or not even. Bro, I'll take a dab at night. You know what I mean, dude. My bad. <laughs> but Sorry. let's uh, let's get into um, Karate Yo. Kid, right? Because you yeah. saw part, you saw part two and three now, right? Because Netflix now, as you see, is offering all three parts of Karate. You know what sucked, right? Is that we paid? I think I said this before. We paid like two ninety nine, three ninety nine for part two, and then it came out you on Netflix just, like the yeah. day later, like a day after that. You're like, yo, it just dropped on Netflix. Yeah. And I looked, right? And so it was within 24 hours. I totally got it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we watched all, all three. three. All three are on. I've seen the so. full trilogy at this okay. point. 
Now you watch the whole thing. There was a good reason. So here's what I've realized. There was a very good reason why I didn't remember two and three because they were horrible fucking movies. Like they just weren't <laughs> good movies. <laughs> and outside of Crossroads, okay. uh, Ralph, well, Ralph Macchio okay. even do much else besides those movies in Crossroads? Was he in a bunch of other shit? I don't think so, bro. Because he was kind of the I mean, same I, character I, in I'm, Crossroads. He was kind of, you I know, squirrely. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure um, all his, like, better roles were things that led up to Karate Kid, right? Gotcha. Like, yeah, outsiders. Yeah, yeah. yeah Outsiders. That, that, all was, that, that, was, a, that was a big but role. After all that, he it, it kind of – did it lock his career into where he was just always Karate Kid besides, you know, Crossroads was just for guitar players, right? Normal people never watch Crossroads. I'm pretty sure if you don't have a relative that's a guitar player or a loved one, right, like your boyfriend, girlfriend kind of thing, you've never seen that fucking movie. Fair, fair enough, right? <laughs> it, it, it depends, maybe. You never know. It's it's – because it's it's a semi. Oh, he was in my cousin Vinny. Movie, so. He was in my cousin okay. Vinny. That's right. That's that, right. All right. But I think that was his big. But even then, right? He didn't win awards. That Marissa Tomei won an award for that, well, right? She's fucking awesome. That's what I'm saying. But I he mean, Ralph Macchio ain't gonna win an award against Marissa Tomei. Tomei, <laughs> like she's he's acting with like one of the best in the world. So, so like it's cool to even be in the fucking movie. So listen, my point exactly. So I don't think he like I almost think Karate Kid. He was typecast into that movie. It was yeah. almost like like Christopher Reeve. So anyway, to the movie specifically, I am glad that I watched it because now it ties in some more of what happens in Cobra Kai. Part part three ties into Cobra Kai more than anything else. Yeah, yeah. I liked liked that they went back to kind of more part one-ish type theme. It was just so cheesy. The acting was fucking horrible, dude. Like, I mean, it was First of all, (laughs) we got to remember the timing it came out, right? It, It probably came out like right in the middle of the 80s. Like, it was, you know, the worst Yeah, because the other out. one was 84, right? So this must have been, they had to have hit those hard, like 84, 85, 86, right? Because there definitely wasn't as much production, you know, value yeah, in the I think they were trying, well, either. I don't, again, I don't think they realized um, how much of a hit it would be, right? You know what I mean? And so it was I in that era this, of, like, banging out trilogies. Like, they were, you know, no tomorrow. Like, I, let's just I bang th- out a part two, part three. I think they almost scrambled. They didn't to, even uh, give them a clever name, did they? They were just part two, part three. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> oh, or the fourth one was the next Karate Kid, right? Yeah, that was with the girl, unofficial. right? Yeah, the un- but you know, it was without Ralph Macchio, but uh, Mr. Miyagi was in the cabinet. Yeah, Miyagi was in that shit. Yeah, so. I liked the Kung Fu one too, kind of, but. You know. So so part two is we both agree it was hard. <laughs> right? Ralph Macchio won a Razzie Award in nineteen ninety for the worst actor in nineteen eighty eighty nine's karate kid. <laughs> <laughs> well there you go, man. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean if you look at the like the cast, bro, they got really they got B rate actors. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, it wasn't well done. Like, I mean, it wasn't but, a big budget movie. I'm but sure. But he was still I mean? like, it was the same shit by the end of it. Like, he kind of lost that fight. The other dude's a much better fighter, and then he wins the fucking prize again. Like, it, it, it even so. Like, the first one was partially good because there was two assholes that were kind of both flawed heroes, sort of thing, which has started this whole argument between us. By part three, he is really made as the hero. Like, the bad guy comes in and gets him into Cobra Kai, and like, the bad guy is such a bad guy. And the well, no, I, 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 I kind of and it was just like, like this. no, no, because and, like, think- cheat, he's just a cheater. Is it just a shit all? No, nah, man. And, and in part three, he he you saw him bro, bro, he joined Cobra Kai. And he went to the dark side, right? 
So, they, it, you know, there's his flaw. What are you talking about, bro? No, <laughs> he no, punched was, that dude in the face. He broke his whole shit, right? He was manipulated into going into Cobra Kai, and he had to to basically save his life because the thing was coming in. It was a total misunderstanding with Miyagi. All of I, it was total a crock of shit, dude. It was that's a, how you that's how you took it because it was you a already have of stinky shit. You already have <laughs> a pre you know a perceived misconception about it, right? So it's the conception. <laughs> no man no he is a flawed hero all right not sure. in part three he was made out to be like sparkly clean vanilla and he's nah, i don't he's think not. so he's not he's they showed his they showed his weaknesses in part three he showed rocking. how vulnerable he is right? vulnerable he is he was vulnerable through the whole thing he's soft like an old shoe <laughs> <laughs> look how pretty he was did chicks think he was hot like did he was he a heartthrob I mean, I don't think so, right? Not as much as, like, let's say, like, uh, uh, Rob Lowe or Tom Cruise, right? No, no, you know I mean, I mean? those guys were, I mean, Rob Lowe. I mean, it's like, Rob it's kind of like. Rob, I'd have sex with well, Rob Lowe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just trying to think of the Outsiders cast, right? Because that was kind of like the first. <laughs> that's funny. It all goes back to Outsiders for you. That was a well, big movie for you, right? It was a big movie and a big uh, book, too. Didn't you, didn't, didn't you have to read Outsiders when you were in high school or? or Grade school or middle school, whatever you want to call it. No, why not? Our, pro our producer is, is giving us shit for discussing teen heartthrobs. <laughs> hey, 80s teen heartthrobs you're specifically. You're discussing. I'm just bringing it up, bro. I mean, if he knew, if he only knew how deep the 80s went with us, dude, like, I mean, for the I last mean, two listen, legs of Slayer Tour, you did nothing but loop the same cheesy 80s song all day long over two. on stage right yeah it two. varied i it mean that's what i'm saying songs. there was a song of the day it generally was it it slotted between one of two <laughs> which was summer 69 by Brian I, adams ironically the first song i learned on guitar there you go at right? 11 years old man i was okay. I, like it was the first year that shit came out this shit was hot still and hot the other, and the other song was i really like my favorite is the taylor swift variant though to summer 69 that is the best. Yeah, that is the best version. <laughs> that is the best version. And, and what was uh, the second? What was the second song? Built this city. By by. Do you even know? This city on. Do you even know? Yeah, man, it's Jefferson Starship. What am I fucking? No, it's doing? no, it's Starship. Let's I talk, said look Jefferson at Starship. <laughs> 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 yo, look at all those. Yo, yo there, there's your dude right there in the middle, right? Is that Rob Lowe? No, so we no, that's not over there okay. yet. I'm uh, uh, I don't even know all those guys' names. <laughs> There's Tom. That's uh, this is Top Gun days. This is a little bit later, isn't it? Maybe not. This uh, I don't know. I'm not Maybe, sure. What year, what year is that teen beat that you just pulled up? We got to know. Teen that's Kirk, Kirk Cameron. Is that Kirk Cameron in the center? I remember the what show he was from. <laughs> Kirk Cameron was from uh, Growing Pains. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what that was there in the center. Growing Pains. You yeah. don't remember Growing Pains? I do, sort of. I watched that show. I watched that show. It was, dude, Alan Thicke was like the Canadian right. U.S. dad growing up, right? He's, he was, even though he was Canadian, but he was like the ultimate yeah, dad growing yeah, yeah, up, Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. He was the dad. He was TV's, TV's dad. <laughs> so I, I went to, uh, I worked uh, his son, right? He's a performer, he's an artist. I, I worked his son's show, and he came out to the show, and he was like on a balcony, and bro, he waved like the whole 
place loved him, right? It was like, <laughs> everybody, he was like, a, you know, came in just smiling, shaking hands, or, you know? So. Is he still alive? I don't think. Yes, yeah, absolutely. We should get him on the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't we ask him, um, let's, let's, let's get our guest on in a, in a minute, right? Yeah, yeah. Hey, I wanted to touch real quick, too, because I thought this was interesting. We touched on this earlier in the week, and I actually uh, – um, I talked about it quickly with uh, – you're texting him the link now? Cool. Yeah. Uh, I talked about it quickly with Mike when he was over, and he was like, yeah, dude, people are already, already working on that shit. Uh, the whole virtual concert thing. Because <clears throat> I got a uh, Oculus whatever, which one, the, the freestanding one. I can't remember what they call it. Um, for Christmas I got one for my brother and for my buddy John and then they were so awesome that I had to have one and of course they were a hot item or whatever so I had to pay double to get it off of eBay and shit but the thing was fucking awesome um, I haven't played it a shitload I don't play tons of games but it really is cool like and there's some it's made for games and game experiences right it, it, it's there's a handful of games that are actually pretty cool there's one thing that's like a Google paint thing, dude, that like you're in a virtual world and, and you can paint different shit all around you and like in a 3D space and like be standing inside of your own painting. Like it's fucking nuts, dude. There's some tripped okay. out shit you can do. Um, but I had heard that Metallica was doing some shows or at least releasing shows probably on video. I haven't seen whatever it is and I'm assuming it would be on Oculus if they were doing it. Um, but like... I could see as a fan, and this is me being a fanboy and not having worked in the music industry my whole life, but I would actually pay for a show experience if there was in a, a live in show. An Oculus. Yeah, in an situation. Oculus kind of world to be able to I'm like sure roll a lot up. Of people would. Yeah, roll up and be able to see kind of the backstage scene and shit and having the dudes like roll up, kind of, kind of that whole scene that I used to take pictures of and tape when the dudes were doing the walk up to the stage and, you know, they split off and you can follow them over and like, the whole fucking show starting and to be able to be in the audience and hear it and, you know, go over yeah, on stage, know, right. No, and like on. pick up the you're, wrong cup and have Warren Lee come and punch you in the face and shit. I was, I was just going to say, you're probably the dude that would ruin that experience. Cause you would like go try to look around and do stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'd go fuck with the guitar and shit. I'd go poke on Warren Lee. You're like, yo, can I poke the guitar deck? <laughs> All of a sudden your screen would just go blank. <laughs> <laughs> it would be awesome. It was absolutely an experience I would pay for. And it was like, you could almost do it as either a one-time thing, right? Like it's an experience you can experience for three or four hours or whatever, or like something that you just bought. Like most of the shit right now, you pay 12 bucks, so it's, 30 yeah. bucks, whatever the fuck it is. And it just stays on your shit. Like, I, and I don't know enough about the tech, right? I've never been a big VR guy. I got some friends that are really into that shit, but I mentioned it to Mike and Mike's like, yeah, dude, people are working on that already. Which I wonder, dude, if that's going to be, at least before real concerts happen, if that's going to be, if we're going into Ready Player One. I mean, yeah, we already started, right? I mean, sort of. We don't have an <laughs> Oculus yet. It would be everybody needs to be on it. It needs to be more of a community thing. That's definitely not the well, way it is yet, right? Think about how many, how long did it take for um, iPhones to be introduced into everyday life, or where it was just like an everyday thing, right? I don't know. What do you tell me? Right? I, don't, I don't know. It was, it was several yeah. years. I mean, cell phones yeah. had been around for a while, but before it became no, 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 everybody but, had a smartphone that everybody yeah. could communicate like. And that. again, and again, like an iPhone is not it's not standard, but it's the most popular product, right? So pretty ubiquitous. You like that word ubiquitous? Ubiquitous. 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 
<laughs> Is that the word of the day? Oculus Venues, a new feature for Oculus Go that allows you to watch live events with your friends in VR. Bro, being able to walk around the fucking house and take bong hits and shit while you're watching a show, cool. That's cool, right? Think about what a hassle it is, like burning down inside. Like, it, it's not a hassle for us, but, you know, as a regular audience member, you can't bring your bong in. Like, even bringing in a pack of joints is tough, right? And then you smoke them and, like, a fucking dude's shining the light on you and shit because you're blazing yes. down in the thing. Look, listen, if you're asking me about staying home instead of going out, I'm all for it. Yeah, but, I mean, how does that affect, you know, I mean, that could be, I mean, I guess you still got to have crews set that shit up and you got to have people do well, yeah, it. it, it just, would be playing it would, a show. It, yeah, it would just be filmed and I'm, I don't know. Again, I don't know how that's worked. Right? I, I think I'm it would assuming, be a bunch of 3D camera type shit. I don't know how they exactly. actually get the footage it, and all that it stuff. Would be, but. It would be filmed. Yeah, I mean, shit, I don't fucking know. I don't know I, how I, you do I don't know exactly how that works. Is, would that be something that you have a live separately? Would be fucking sick. Like a 3D live stream that you could interact with, at least in the, even if you couldn't like go up and get your ass kicked by Warren Lee, just to be able to stand in the audience would be rad. And have your friends stand there next to you and shit. Like we're turning into a fucking ad for Oculus. But like it seems neat, dude. Like I would do it. I have an Oculus. I'm, I actually had to update it. It's been so long since I turned it on. That shit, you can use your hands now instead of controllers. Like it can see where your hands are and you can hit buttons and stuff by pinching shit. It's legit. You should get I mean, super baked and slam one of those things on your face and like tell me it's not awesome. Cause it's pretty well, fucking well, I've, I've been like, you know, at the, at the mall or at video game places where you can do that virtual thing. The full, the full on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it's yeah I had like, never done it before. Yeah. I, I mean, I've, I've done it. I don't know if it's, you know. Oh, I must not have the host capabilities. I didn't know our guest was in the waiting room. Apparently our guest is in the waiting room. Who do we got? Who do we got this week? This is a this is an interesting deviation. You know, before we bring him on, a uh, buddy of mine the other day was like, yo, uh, it's the guitar collector dude that's into all the gem stuff, buddy in Houston. He was like, yeah, I'm listening to Chromex right, man, right now. I don't know if you're into New York hardcore. I was like, huh, interesting you should say that. <laughs> <laughs> Our guest this week is uh, Boy Rock from Madball. Yeah, Madball. Legendary, legendary New York hardcore band, Madball. Yeah, and, what's up, dude? What's going on? So, all right, quick question. Karate Kid, you've seen Karate Kid, obviously, right? Of course. I already I know the answer. The you East Coast guys stick together like fucking no, no. Listen, thief, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, thick listen, like all right. Well, listen, man, hold on. Don't, don't poison them well yet, all right? Listen, <laughs> so, have you, but you have not seen Cobra Kai, right? No. Okay. I wanted to because everybody tells me it's amazing. It's okay, pretty amazing. It, 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 is, it is quite amazing, but the whole concept behind Cobra Kai is basically that Daniel in Karate Kid Part One was the bad guy, and that Johnny well, was that he the just good wasn't guy. a good guy. Like it, that he yeah. he kind of was the, you know, the dick in the whole thing that sort of you know took the dude's girlfriend, punched sucker, punched him, lied and cheated to get in the fucking tournament. You know, wins uh, on a technicality. Like I mean, it's some shit. Look, Dave <laughs> is just Dave is upset. That like the skinniest kid from the East Coast went out to the West Coast and just taught these dudes a lesson, right? Because that's basically <laughs> what happened, right? Yeah, basically, in a way it well, did. Oh, come on. But it was with the help of a little Chinese man. Well, a Japanese like man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> but hey, and now now do you remember the part where they chase him into the back parking lot and Mr. Miyagi jumps out of the thing and <laughs> yeah. beats everyone up? Now Dave is saying that that's an old man assaulting kids. 
I mean, he basically, <laughs> he basically assaulted him. And Daniel deserved that ass whipping because he got their weed wet. In 1984, he got their weed wet, and they weren't even fucking with him. He was just trying to spin one in the bathroom, and, like, he soaks him with a hose. You got a point with that one. Warren, Warren would have killed him. Warren would have killed that motherfucker. This? How crazy is this that, all right, now weed is cool again, but it's pretty crazy in a, a, a kid's movie that came out the box for kids that they actually had that in the scene. Okay, you know what I mean? so what we did was we did some research, and the writer for that, for that movie... Robert Camden is yeah. a weak guy. He's a weak yeah. guy. Yeah, because there was another scene on the beach scene, dude. The uh, His buddy that he meets right when he goes to the apartment building, he's wearing a normal shirt. And we never noticed. Oh. Our producer found that shit. And he's like, yo, dude, he's wearing a normal shirt on the beach? Yeah. Like, that ain't fucking... Dude, they're all that, you know, their attire and shit is all picked. Like, somebody and, chose that and was like, yo, you're wearing this. And and the fact that they called the weed a number. Right, because that's that's a ref. That's like a hippie reference. Nobody calls like, "Hey, you got the number rolled." Like, yeah, a joint is a number. Like that's an old school fucking reference, dude. Nobody says. Yeah, that. I used to hear that about cigarettes. They would tell you, "You got a number." Yeah. So squares, I right? Want you got cigarettes, something. Same yeah. shit. But yeah, definitely. Um. Well, yeah, definitely. East Coast guy went there and beat up the West Coast. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dave. You got you got no love on this one, bro. You say that like I'm a West Coast dude, man. I'm, you are. I'm international, are. motherfucker. I'm no. international. Yo, first of all, you're talking to two dudes that have done more touring than you have ever, you could even think about. But you're talking about you. I, you're I, must, I must have, have lived. seen Karate Kid like a billion times also. I lived in Africa. I lived in Saudi Arabia. I lived in Oman. I lived in Switzerland. I've lived well, in those I'm places. African from the ways down. <laughs> I didn't Warren just is it. African from the ankles down. All, <laughs> yeah, chill. From the neck up, bro. All you've, all you've seen, Warren, are the stages in those places and an occasional exactly. restaurant. <laughs> no, that's not true because I've, I've gone on missions and adventures of my own, right? With no, no, I know. It's true. That's, like, the, beauty, that's the beauty of hardcore, right? So That's the fact. That's, that's true. Fact. Warren was touring a lot longer before, uh, before all the uh, fancy Slayer shit. And you oh, yeah. and Hoya, yeah, you like your your tour stories are nuts, right? Like you've gone, like you guys have gone down and dirty. Like I heard, dude. So let's Matt just dive right in. I heard that you yeah. guys drove straight the fuck across the entire country, continent of Australia. I don't oh, know. They, yeah. didn't, they didn't make it to Perth. Well, I think it was from. Well, we started right. from Adelaide and we drove all the way up to Gold Coast. We did like in a minivan. In a minivan. <laughs> in a minivan with our heads and our bags on our laps. Holy on top of that. shit. It's now, fucking now, retarded. Now, a standard, stupid. like almost any other band, would, would, they would fly. You would fly from city to city, right? Your gear would get trucked. Yeah, there's a big truck or something. No, these guys jumped into a fucking van and drove. I mean, how much I mean, gear is there and shit when you guys are going out? How much shit you bring along? Well, that was also like our first time out there. So we basically were like doubling up with a band. We had these friends toe to toe. Basically, we had a, a Japan tour and then an Australian tour. So they came to the Japanese part. And when we went to Australia, we kind of doubled up like they had cabinets. We probably had heads. Back then, we were still traveling with heads from America. That's wow. crazy. That's yeah, crazy. it's crazy. Just a thing, and but flying heads, man. Flying with heads because it was expensive to rent them. And also, yeah. we weren't making money like that at the time. You know, even in the early days, we were like, you know, half the place was... playing were squats and shit like that. Like, not by will, 
it just happened to be like a lot of the underground clubs, even for some metal bands, were like these squat clubs or like youth centers. So early on, we would do that. And then we realized, you know, once we were touring more, we would realize, oh, we could rent or we, you know, we made it happen one way or another. You know what I mean? So you were, these are like tube heads that you were traveling with on your lap? Exactly. Jesus All types of fucking Christ. Insane. <laughs> Hoyle was using, you were using GK heads back then. Those were solid yeah. I but, got lucky. I always liked the, the GKs because they always got the sound I wanted. And I was lucky that it was a solid state head. So, so I could plug lighter. in a GK head. I, I plug in a GK head right now into a clock radio speaker and I'll make that shit bump. Because that head, for this is a thing with bass. There's a billion great heads and there's a billion great sounds. But a bass should sound like a bass not a guitar because that's my beef that uh, uh, metal and heavy music took the low end out of the game when yeah. that's what bass was made for. You know what I mean? Sure. You could dirty it up and, you know, I was going to say, do you dirty that? it up and like run effects in front of your shit or anything? Any dirt, any distortion or overdrive? No, or I don't do none of that shit. I, I, I went back, you know, in the early days I would, you know, I, I turned up a little bit more gain and get a little bit more grit and I get it. And it's dope for certain bands, but I take the old school approach where I don't want to be heard. I want to be felt, you know what I mean? And a bass is the, the, the mattress, you know, that the guitars and the singers sleep on. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a Craig Satari uh, a reference, but, um, I like it, you know, especially with us, you know, again, uh, I, my logic is we are one guitar band. We had two guitars, but we're one guitar band. And we used to have to compete with a lot of two guitar and a lot of the metal bands. Metal band, I always took from the metal bands the, the big sounds, how pro they sounded, how tight they were, but we couldn't compete with two guitars. But what I learned was making the bass wide it just filled in the space for the, the growl on the guitar. So yeah. I, more and more, I learned my game was the low-end game. And I went back to a traditional sound, you know what I mean? I still have a little tone to it, but I, that's why I could plug in any bass and at a Madball show is always going to sound like a Madball show. Sure. I don't need a big, crazy rig. They sound great, and if you could afford it and if you could keep maintenance it, but... um. Like I said, I could plug in right now to a clock radio speaker and make it bump. So I, I like uh, the certainty of that. You know what I mean? Like knowing if I don't got my tech, if I don't got my equipment. I was going to ask, with, I mean, do you travel with a tech? Well, yeah, we usually have, uh, we have our guys in Europe. In America, we'll get like different people sometimes. You know, we got like two or three guys. But in Europe, we have a steady crew. And, um, but I travel mainly with a Sansam. That's my magic. You know what I mean? A, 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 a Fender and a Sansam. Wow. Me with those two things. Me with those two things. I, I, I'm good with anywhere. I played in front of two hundred thousand people. I played in front of twenty people. Sansam, awesome. my bass and it's bumping. And if you got a good sound, man, that's all you need. You know. That's just the bass drive, right? Yeah, just the tape yeah. like twenty-one yep. bass drive Sansam. Yep. 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 Like I even they got the racks, the heads. Fuck all that. The straight up OG pedal, nothing yep. bumps like that for me. You know what I mean? And and you could still spin off of that if you chose to. You know what I mean? Like there's so but, many settings on that pedal too. Like you could, you know, you could go from 
one's tone to another and just a turn of a yeah, knob, right? Yeah, to me, it's yeah, just... Yeah. It does a lot of shit. Yeah, you know, I used up the basic old, you know, it's to me, it's just a basic EQ. I would, I guess, even what I would set up for my sound was, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, mathematically wrong. I do a V, you know what I mean? That's all my shit is, because again, I got my highs and my mids, you know what I mean? And the guitar has the highs coming in to, to, to you know, where it meets. So I base all my sounds off of any head. It don't matter what it is, and I'm always going to sound like me. I basically got my treble, I got my mids, and I got my bass. That's all I need to know. All the rest is bullshit to make it look fancy. Well, and then, then <laughs> if you have the guitar player, like, dialed with a decent mid-range, if they don't scoop the shit out of it like a lot of the metal guys do, then they fill in the rest of that. They punch through that Exactly. And I love the metal, metal guitar. Metal wrote the, the – the, they wrote – the game on guitar sounds. That's just what it always was. They always had, that's what I always did with Madball was, I always wanted to compete with the metal band. So the guitar tones were the most important thing for me, more than the bass. The bass, I'm like, yeah, it's low end. Of course we need drums, but the guitar gotta be able to hang with the metal bands. That's awesome. Because that's part of, the, I think where, where you guys get, at least from a metal kid's perspective, that's where the, the crossover kind of feel comes from, right? Like is that, it's still that same grinding guitar sound and it's still just fucking in your face. And, and you, write a lot of, you write all the shit for Madball, right? Like, so you're a guitar player as well. well I'm a shitty one, but, um, <laughs> but you know, in the early days, it was me and Maddie Henderson, our old guitarist, like just- Who is, okay, real quick, who is Dave? Matt Henderson was the like the guy on Agnostic Front last the last era that played on One Voice. He was he was Berkeley, you know what I mean? Like Berkeley, he went to Berkeley. Oh, okay. Hardcore, oh, yeah. Music yeah. And shit. oh yeah, Boston yeah. guy. Absolutely. And, yep. and one of hardcore shredders, you know, he was a, a real that's interesting. Like, so I didn't it, like did he throw solos and shit in? Because it's normally not no. a shreddy kind no. of thing, right? Well, well, this is a funny early Mabel had a solo. In it, because Mabel originally was the two guitar band with Stigma and, yep. and Matt Anderson. Okay, but it was more meat and potatoes, and and, and something went out, right? No, right but, here. There's, uh, Matt, there's Matt Henderson and, right there. Okay. And, um, we didn't have a lot of solos, but we had like one solo or something. But it was mainly two guitars for the fullness. You know what I mean? A Floyd shit on there too. It's definitely like that's a fucking super. Well, and, and if you listen to the first record, uh, the last song, uh, Face to Face, he does a. Yeah. Use the Floyd, right? So gotcha. again, you know, in those days, we were, we didn't want to come off like a hardcore band trying to be a metal band. Sure. But we want, but we wanted sonically to be like, we wanted metal guys to be like, yo, that shit hang, and it wasn't yeah, just some floppy <laughs> garage band shit. You know what I mean? That's awesome. Like, we love the attitude of the hardcore shit, the balls of it, but we took the pro approach of the metal bands, you know, being tight and you know. Uh, uh, being into your gear a little bit and consistently, you know, I learned all that shit from Maddie because Maddie was a, you know, more than a metal guy. He, um, Eddie Van Halen was his guy. Yeah, and yeah he's, a guitar, so he's a guitar guy. Yeah, yeah so, it was trade, you know what I mean? So, you know, I learned everything I know off of him. And the thing he loved about me was my I don't give a fuck attitude. If it sounds good, let's do it. So we met in the middle and then, you know, I got, again, I, I was never, a, I know one chord, a bar chord, chord but um, 
I was more uh, of a songwriter than a, a player from day one. I never, gotcha. well, I never knew people's songs and shit like that. I was never that guy. People gotta I realize got, too. I said, okay, we gotta start a band, so I guess we gotta write songs. You know. Well, it's also too, when you joined, when you joined Madball, you brought to the table, set it off, words and lyrics. Right? Yeah. It's your song, right? And yeah. Which is end up being that's. Hardcore well, so I mean, that's huge though, right? Because everything like, I mean, you can have technique out the wazoo unless you can write kick-ass songs. None of that fucking matters, man. Like, so where does, yeah. where's the songwriting come from? Like, where did you learn like your songs, song structure and, or is it just, is that you just it's, poop that shit out in the well, morning? Like what you eat for breakfast? Was yeah. that more the demise days, right? Where you, cause you yeah, wrote a lot you know of what, demise but, stuff, right? Yeah, you know, early on I was, writing songs when we first started we were like okay we're we got enough guys for a band so what do we got to do next oh i guess we got to write songs so we kind of started writing and putting songs together in my first band but not till i met maddie where i started kind of paying attention like oh what you know where a chorus goes how many times a chorus in a in, in a verse should go because he had all the theory the training and all the shit from berkeley and stuff exactly and the good thing about Maddie, as much of a Berkeley guy as he was, he was so opposite of that, where he could do all that shit, but he loved the rawness. He was never afraid to be like, yo, if one note sounds good, we play the one note. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> and since I could barely play, but he, I would get the attitude out, he would, I would give him the attitude, and he would kind of just chisel it away and make it happen. And then I learned off of him how to structure songs and how to, like, really go in on a riff and shit and then you know just practice and necessity well wow. sure dave you got to realize too matt played on maybe what three three records maddie was in the band for right? yeah Maple has what do you guys got 11 records out 10 records now well now we're gonna make our 10th album now we're working on and we got you know a bunch of other shit eps and all that so y'all are working shit. on y'all are working on an album now during quarantine yeah how does I've that been, go down for you guys like i mean is the do you already have everything written yourself no, what, well, usually what I do is um, I write a lot of riffs, you know, and I do skeletons, but real primitive, like basic skeletons of songs. And you do and that on guitar or you do them on bass? On guitar. Okay. Only on guitar. Everything on guitar. And nowadays I'll use GarageBand for drums and shit. Oh, cool. But back in the day I used to do wild shit. I used to, um, I used to put um, rap videos on, right? And I had a tape recorder. So I would put my the tape recorder in a certain position where I could get the drum beat from the rap song and <laughs> hear my guitar amp so I would have a drum beat to play. So that's how I wrote Set It Off. It was to a, a rap song, a, a Rakim, Eric B. and Rakim rap song. Wow. I used that drums because <laughs> they didn't have no drum machine or no four track no, I mean, or machine. No, like, yeah, what, what existed sucked. Horribly. You could use a Casio, right? You could fire it off on a fucking Casio. <laughs> exactly. So what I would even do was sometimes write a rhythm guitar, have that one tape deck, and then have that another tape deck taping that tape deck just so I could get the rhythm guitar. It was stupid. That's crazy. That's crazy. But That's awesome. um, technology has changed everything for that shit, dude. Oh, like from recording to practicing and learning shit. And like, I mean, there's so many. Absolutely. And the way, well, the way we do it now and the way it became is basically I'll do the skeletons and, and after we get, I get all my skeletons up, we, we start, like, we know when we're going to write an album, we start saying, okay, um, six months before our due date, kind of, we're like, okay, you know, I already start gathering riffs and then we'll start making rehearsals where 
I go in with a bunch of music and then we start piecing that, that you know, piecing it together as a band gotcha. and shit. So you don't, so, I mean, in quarantine, are you guys going to do that collaboratively or are you doing it remotely where you like shoot the skeletons over to the drummer or do you write the drum parts for them too? And you're like, yo, give me this right here. Give me this here. So, so yeah, I do a basic idea. It's like, you'll get the gist of what I'm trying to do. Cause I'm not a good drummer either. And even on the drum machines, but you'll get a good idea of what I'm trying to do. I bring the skeleton to the studio whenever we all get up and then we go, okay, this is what I'm trying to do. Ba ba ba. And then my drummer starts throwing beats, his beats that's in the same realm. And then we just start piecing in. Then Freddie will be like, oh, let's use that for the verse. Okay, where can we place it? And then we just start kind of putting the cool. pieces together. But um, we usually don't get into the studio as a band till we're ready to almost, once we have a lot of the music, then we start going in as a full band and putting it together. Otherwise, I'm kind of home. I get the, the kind of the ball rolling. And then um, when I got a bunch of shit, we all hit the studio and then start piecing shit together. And so, then who drives y'all's schedule? Because you said like you got, you know, you have to have it done in X amount of months. Is that driven up on your guys' side or does your label then push that shit or? No, it's always us, you know, like we, we've been um, self, uh, what do you call it? We're really like the Partridge family. We are, we're a fucking, um, uh, 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 what do you call it? It's a family business. You know what I mean? Um, we basically, we do what we want, how we want it, but we do it for a living. So we also know that um, you got to be consistent. You got to keep the ball rolling and we treat it like a real job, you know, cause it is our real job. This is all we do. So we know every two, two years, every three years, we got to drop an album. I was going to say, it's it seems like if I look at your schedule historically, it's every two or three years. So you guys are just, kind of on it do you sit with like a whole catalog of fucking songs in your back pocket that you're like yeah we're gonna drop this later or is it kind of new every time yeah it's kind of new every time like basically um like let's say um, um after a year and a half of a record being out we start saying okay soon we're gonna start writing a record so i'll start little by little because i'm not a guy who just jams all the time i gotta get my chops up <laughs> but i'll start getting the guitar I'll start getting loose again, and then I'll start. Then I'll get in my 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 modes where I just come, I get a lot of momentum, and I'll start stacking shit. And then once I stack a bunch of shit, it usually the later years I we've been more on time with our stuff. You know what I mean? In the early days, it was a little bit more wild style. So. And you guys produce all your own shit then too? I mean, do you have your own? It's part of y'all's crew that does your engineering and all that. Before it well, basically, in the um, our first record we did was was this guy Jamie Locke. He had worked with this other guy Tom Soares, who had done like a Chromags album, and he did a couple other like new metal and other types of stuff at the time. But he was like an album called the Big Willie guy. He was a Roadrunner guy. Yeah, he was a Roadrunner guy. So we would work with him, and again, we were like we had Maddie Henderson. So Maddie always knew all the, the technical talk and kind of what we were trying to do. So we never really used a producer, but you know, we had engineer guys that sometimes would try to chime in, but we never really listened to them. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, the last record you guys got to work with Tim Armstrong, right? Yeah. Again, so, that was, the, yeah. So that, um, but that's a, that's more, like you said, you kept it in the family. He, you know, we've been friends with that guy for years. So yeah, exactly. Mean? Like, um, you know, and, we we work we like you know when we when we when we feel good with something we stay with it, so we had Jamie for the first couple of records and we used him, 
And then on our third album, Maddie Henderson, who was playing guitar for us, he stopped playing guitar for us, but got into engineering. So we let him do our third album. Okay. And, and so he had done that. And then after that, we, we started using um, uh, Zeus. Um, and then we loved what Zeus did, and we worked with Zeus for a couple of albums. And then, um, you know, when, when it was time to change it up, we worked with uh, my boy Eric Rutan. Well, you oh, better yeah. motherfuckers should know Eric Rutan. Yeah, hell yeah, dude. Know. The devil's only. <laughs> That's but, right. Uh, you know, we had a, you know we had a good vibe with him, so we did an album and an EP or something, you know, with him, and that was cool. And then, um, in the later years, we got lucky, like as the music changed and we were working on the later the latest record, we you know we had ideas on what the sound should be and all that type of shit. We wanted bigger sound than you know, just overall sounds, more live sounds. And then um, Tim who, from Rancid, who's, you know, he's family with us. He had basically um, come into a studio and basically was like, yo, you know, I'd love to work on the new Mad Boy. And, and when he basically told us about the studio, he was like, yo, we got the ill drum room, which we needed the big drums. And I like the angle of him not being a metal guy because we we knew to get the metal we wanted without having a metal guy. You know what I mean? Sure. We 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 knew he was a great live performer in, in tones in a different way, you know, in vibes that were like, man, that with what we want, our kind of metal and our hardcore attitude, it's it was the right mix for that album, you know, and he was gonna be doing the next album if all goes well. I was gonna say, but, is he uh, doing the next one now then? Cool. Yeah, that's the plan. And they also did it at um, his studio. Is also Sleeve old studio, right? Yeah, you know. So, so. so yeah, he had a real dope studio, man. Tim, you know, again. Out in California, then, or yeah, it's, yeah. it's in okay. L.A., Los Angeles. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we went out there, and you know, he just has a fucking dope studio, and um, the vibe about it, and everything, and having a guy like Tim, it was good because Tim's a musician, musician. You know what I mean? He's like. He's all about vibes, and, and that's something I learned about making records, that um, at the end of the day, the vibe is more important than how many notes you could play or, or, or how good you sound in, the, in your rehearsal space. Absolutely. Like, yeah. if you know what you're doing, you got to feel good, and if you feel good, it's gonna, you're gonna, the people are going to feel it with the music. And the vibe in the studio, the sound in the, in the studio, and having a guy like him even you know, to ping pong ideas off of, you know what I mean? The guy knows our world. The guy also has Grammys, you yeah. know what I mean? Not that we were shooting for a Grammy, but the guy has a good ear for music. He's yeah, a real hurt. amazing musician. <laughs> yeah. you, also, you, know, you, you guys also had uh, Kevin from Interrupters Engineering. Oh, right? yeah. So, Big yo. Kev, he was engineering it and yep. having guys, again, which was dope, was all those guys love metal too, but they're not metal guys. And yeah. they weren't hardcore guys, even though they're hard, they love hardcore. You have guys that have a sky influence, a punk influence that love metal. And then you had us hardcore guys who love metal and other stuff. So it was a good mix of vibes in the room all going for the same thing. You know what I mean? Without being too much of anything, you know, just yeah. we want attitude more than anything and, and something big, you know. Well, and I don't know that the hip hop influence, right? Like, I mean, that's a unique play, that's I think. New, I mean, that's a, that's a New York thing, too, right? It's an East Coast thing. Is it? Yeah, you know, hip hop, it, it, you know, especially in the East Coast and even in the hardcore scene, you know, it was a, 
always in the background. I mean, it wasn't the graffiti or wearing sneakers and hoodies. You know, it, it always was a mix. I grew up with a lot of hip hop and my brother was always into, you know, um, real extreme metal and hardcore. So I was always, it was always in my house, a mix of music. So That's I always right. was a hip hop guy. And then I remember that I would, I always loved um, Sabbath. That's my favorite band. Cause I would hear Iron Man and songs like that. And I was like, man, these Heavy. motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, like, damn, there's nothing like that. And I mean, then, they, they built heavy music, right? Like before them. Yeah, yeah. Nobody beat Sabbath. Yeah, Nobody dude, beat Sabbath. If you, if you no. want to talk about like heavy music, for rock and roll, you can go earlier, obviously, but for heavy music, yeah. dude, Black, Black Sabbath is the beginning. You know and then, they, they, yeah, they're the kings, you know? I don't give a fuck who it is. Who was before them, who was after them. Sabbath is king, period. <laughs> you know? I don't give a fuck what anybody says. And fucking, um, so I always loved that that I used to feel something from it. Something felt dark and something aggressive or whatever it was. And then my brother was always listening to hardcore and he loved black metal at the time. I don't know what you call it now. You know, I'm ben, talking ben, about- Venom, ben, like Venom. Ben, yeah, yeah, okay, I'm yeah. yeah. The, you know, shit from back then, like, you know, like- uh, pre, 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 like Norwegian shit. black metal stuff, like, yeah. You know, like, yeah, Venom and shit like that. And, yeah. and we're talking tape trading days, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And we're talking about you know, uh, Hellhammer demos, like, you know, <laughs> shit like that, like, you know, um, Celtic Frost early on, you yeah, know, it yeah. was, that, you know, it was, um, so in my that's, house, it was the extremes of everything. That's awesome. And then, and then I would hear Agnostic Front, and then I would be like, something about that caught, caught my ear, just the, the craziness of it, and it felt like where we live. Look at that. That looks like, like, yeah. uh, this guy, man, always, man, with the big jars of weed. Everywhere. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> and, um, but, um, yeah, you know, it, well, I, we were always in a, a mix of music. And, you know, later on, all those influences will come, will come out because um, if, if you slowed a lot of our music down, you would hear how many riffs I bit off a of Sabbath. <laughs> <laughs> how about, like, Hoy, let's talk about, like, like, growing up in New York, Dave. Do you even know what freestyle is? Like, Lisa, Lisa, stuff like that. Like people always bug out that we listen to that, right? Hoya, because it's that, Guido music. Like, yeah, it's Guido music. music. You know what I mean? It's, it's like dance music. It's like, nah, yeah. dude. I mean, I know New who York that is. I know who Lisa Lisa is, right? That made it to the suburbs. That, right? that whole yeah, style, exactly. right? Yeah. So. so what happened was, you know, you had a lot of those, um, you know, it, it was club music, and it was in, you know, yeah. and we all grew up with that type of shit, you know, in our neighborhoods. It was Guido music. But if you well, yeah, because y'all were in the city, people, right? So y'all were exposed to a lot of different shit, like things that exactly, filtered down everything. to the suburbs of Northern everything. Virginia. It was totally different, right? Like, I mean, it, took a, like it took a lot before it trickled all the way down there. Yeah, like when we would hang out, it was it was typical to hang out with a guy who was into rap, a metalhead guy, and maybe you know Guido guys, and it was kind of like, even if you weren't into it, it wasn't nothing crazy for you guys to be hanging out because in school you would meet all types of people. Sure, but. Even to this day, when I write beats, because I'm a shitty drummer, I, I would use a typical freestyle beat, where it's like that. And if you hear certain Mabel songs, and, and you have that in your head, you will kind of put it together that, okay, you know, the influences will come out. Like, James Brown is a big influence for us. You know, all over our albums, we have James Browns. We call them JBs. We got certain punches we do that were James Brown punches. And those James <laughs> Brown punches 
are the same punches Sabbath uses. But people don't get it. It's those all those are James Browns if you go you know those are James Browns and if you hear Mad Boys that's where all the flavor comes from right you know what I mean well that's what makes it all bounce and shit right like I mean it's not a yeah and watching James Brown you would hear that you know that Boom. And I said, okay, if you ain't gonna march to it, at least you gotta bop your head to it. And if you yeah. bop your head to it, we got you. As long as you ain't walking out. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> and you know, these were influences that we we didn't know we knew they were it was music we loved, but not till like probably five albums in, we realized, oh, this shit is coming out in our hands, you know, and in our in Freddie's vocal style, they've always been there, but now we were like pinpointing them. Oh yeah, we do this because that and Sabbath. And is that like so? That, that is that uniform across all the members of the team, or is that really just coming I mean, coming from your background? Well, for me, like Freddie grew up a lot with hip hop and just hardcore. He has no metal roots. He, no, he doesn't. He doesn't like. He doesn't listen to metal. Yeah, at he's all. not crazy about like he loves metal songs, but was not a metal guy. Like he loves Sabbath and like Metallica. But like, I'll play him a Metallica song not now, you know, a 101 certain songs, like a B-side, he won't know who it is. He'll yeah. know Enter Batman, and he loves it. But it was good having a non-metal guy, and then I was the metal guy, and then Matty Henderson was the rock guy. So yeah, Matty Henderson- Rock shred, like, yeah, music background yeah. shit. Yeah. The ACDC, you know, Eddie Van Halen shit, and I'm thinking Sabbath and Slayer, and then Freddie's thinking fucking, um, he would listen to fucking, um, uh, what do you call it, the cars in Agnostic Front. So <laughs> it was a weird mix of shit, but, <laughs> it, you know, it, it made us who the fuck we are, you know what I mean? So, no, that's I, awesome. I'll shut up for a second, Warren, because I know that I've just dominated the first 40 minutes. No, it's all good, bro. <laughs> do you? Do you? I mean, dude. You're asking, you know what I mean? You're the guy that's being informed right now, so. Warren knows enough about me. <laughs> <laughs> I've been friends, you know, we've been friends for how long now? Like 20 something years, more, right? Yeah, gee. When, when he had black hair. <laughs> <laughs> now it's all gray and white, so. <laughs> yeah, cause you met Warren, like Warren, you guys met up when he was in so, 25 so to Life, right? Yeah, this is basically, the, I, I joined 25 to Life and the guitar player for 25 to Life basically lived up the block from Hoyle, like two houses down or whatever. You know what I mean? So and we grew up playing together. Yeah. And was the guitar also the guitar player for Demise, right? So Beto. And and uh every time I would go pick up Beto to go to shows, Hoyle was always in his house smoking weed. Right? So and Beto didn't smoke weed. So we yeah. showed like, oh you smoke weed, we would eventually, you know, and it, it, it got to the point where I think, yo, Hoy, you were at, at more shows than the other guitar player, Fred, right? Yeah, because every time I was home off tour, I'd be home. You know, I never worked, so I'd be home hanging out, and they would be like, come on, we'll, we'll drop you off, come take a ride. And I ended up just going to all the shows and then ended up just, you know, hanging out a lot with them, so. Yeah, that's how, and then, you know, it just turned into, like, whatever, right? Because we smoke weed. That's basically with our, our like, initial connection you know what i mean so. exactly cannabis <laughs> is a, a, a unique bridge like that that's the only reason that yeah. i know you warren yeah <laughs> basically <cannabis> connection <laughs> if you didn't give me all that 
you didn't give me all that weed, Dave, maybe I wouldn't have liked it so much. I know, for yeah. better or worse, for better or worse at this point. <laughs> it's always, a, it's a peace offering. That's what it was made for. You know, you go back, yeah. you know, and then, but. So um, said that I think it was the first, my first run on tour and it was somebody that didn't smoke or whatever. And they came up and it wasn't to me and you, but it was for somebody else. And they were like, would you guys even know each other? And like, and it's like, well, no, dude, but that's, that's part of the point, right? Like now yeah. we. Now we get along and we love weed and now we're sitting here all baked together and like fun can't you have sitting around all high together <laughs> fun for everybody this i never wrote one riff on any album straight yeah I got to write is just what it is i that's the only time i'll let myself that's the only time i won't shit on myself for my you know my riffs i'll work a riff out when i'm lit you know i'll give it a chance when I'm not, I get frustrated and my brain goes too many directions. Interesting. When I believe I could just zone in on a riff and I'll make that one note into two notes, into three notes, and then stretch it and then make it into a verse. I could just kind of work it and work it and work it. it helps you record me. that kind of stuff when you're sitting down and you're like, hey, I'm just going to sit here and jam. Do you just normally keep things recording just so that you have it? Or do you just sit Absolutely. and like practice extensively? Yeah, no, I, there's no practice thing whatsoever. That's why I probably go. <laughs> When's the last time you touched the bass right now? You exactly, right? I touched it when I had to move it out the way to get, to get in my drawer. But um, I don't touch my instruments unless I'm writing an album or wow. I'm on stage. It's just I was never that jam guy. But when I start writing for an album, I kind of, I got to get in the mode. Get to a zone. Get to yeah, a zone. so I start playing for months and, you know, it's all about the right hand, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I use one chord, you know, and then my guitarist, could, he could deal with the other chords. But <laughs> if, if, if this shit is going, you know, I'm gonna get the riff out of it, you know what even, I mean? Even, even tell Dave, right? You only you use the two strings on your bass, right? Live, you only play yeah, the top I, two strings. Oh, I, I, listen, I say it and I say it proud to all you bass players out there. I got nine albums. On two strings, so don't tell me nothing. I don't want to hear shit about eight-string basses, about how big your cab is. I did nine albums on two strings. Dave, Dave after I would like, I had started like touring and more and more, right? I would come back and do shows with these guys, like I said, weekend things or whatever. And I remember Hoy like, yeah, just change the top two strings. Don't worry about the other two. All right. <laughs> I just clean. I just clean the other two, right? So. It's like. Yeah, uh, John Campbell style. JC, JC only plays those two things too. Yeah, you know, you people people would ask me like, we get like a guy to work on guitar somewhere, or like, you know, we're at a festival and we and we need a tech, and we'll get like some guy from a, another band, you know, one of these bands, like, a, a, you know, not that we don't have real techs, but a tech for like on a metal tour or something, and he'll want to do the whole thing, and he's like about the strings and, and all my string packs are just e's and a's and he's like no you're missing them i go no i'm not i i don't play them and he goes what you mean you don't play them i said why change them if i don't play them so i would buy my packs ea's ea's as a four yep. pack yep. and to this day all my bases are like that that's way for, for hazen street though you had to play four strings right for hazen street, no, i played three strings three strings <laughs> one song <laughs> And that's the only reason I use that one note is I did it for once. <laughs> that's hilarious. Tell us a little bit about Hazen Street. Like, is that, I mean, what happened with that project? Is, like, what started that shit? Yeah, so um, basically, um, our good friend, um, Chad Gilbert, he plays in a, 
pop punk band, Newfound Glory. And um, he's an old hardcore kid and a, and a good friend of ours. Basically, you know, we would all be hanging out somewhere. He was hanging out and he was touring a lot with H2O with a good friend of ours, Toby, you know, and they would talk and, you know, we were all realizing we all, you know, our group of friends were guys that chat, loved all our, you know, all our bands and stuff. And, and he had an idea of like, hey, we should all get together and jam some songs. And um, we all had love for Chad and we were like, hell yeah, and it'll be cool to play with our friends, you know what I mean? To do something different. And basically we just got together to write, put these songs together. Ch Chad had a bunch of music. Um, we got in, you know, we all got in the studio and it was me, um, Freddie, um, uh, I'm Toby from H2O, my boy Dave Kennedy, he played in Boxcar Racer yep. and played for Angels and Airwaves. And then uh, Mackie from the Cro-Mags, Bad Brains, and the Dopers. Criminals. out there. And um, who else was in the band? Um, that's it, right? That's everybody. Freddie. Yeah. Yep. And basically we had jammed these songs and it was nothing that none of us were, were playing before it. You know, it was really, it was more, a little bit more poppy, a yeah. little bit more upbeat, a little bit more on, on a more happier than all our other bands, let's just say. But when we would get in the studio and we would jam them, me and Mackie, I remember hearing some of the stuff before it was put together. And I would kind of look at Mackie and kind of be like, kind of like, oh, what the fuck we got ourselves into? <laughs> but when we would start jamming it, we would start getting the vibe off shit. And we would start, if we would start feeling that shit like that, we we're like, yo, we can make this shit bump. We'll give it the right balls, you know what I mean? And um, we started making songs. Um, long story short, we had a demo too. It was meant, nothing was meant with any big kind of fucking ideas. You know, we meant to, hey, let's do a couple of songs and whatever. And long story short, Chad was on tour with, um, he was on one of these tours and he was on tour with uh, Good Charlotte everybody's favorite band <laughs> every, every metalhead's favorite band in the world but um basically they heard um they uh, chad was playing the music and they were like yo what's that yo that shit is dope and chad was like oh it's my new you know group i'm you know i'm jamming with and he was like yo it's the dudes from madball chromags blah 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 and he was like what that's you guys he goes you don't want to sign it and then chad was kind of like what are you talking about Basically, Good Charlotte was giving, they were giving a, a, a label through uh, Epic, you know, yeah. which was, uh, I forgot the name of the, the record label, I don't remember. Uh, but I don't remember either. You remember it? Yeah, I don't remember. But basically, they ended up signing us, you know, to Epic on, on their label. Uh, damn, I don't remember the, the label. Yeah, but yeah, and then, you know, basically, something we did for fun snowballed into something that almost became something. Yeah, because it was a music video, all kinds of shit, right? Yeah, yeah. We had a, a real run, you know, like, um, you know, we, we, we got the demos and, people, you know, Epic, you know, went full blast. They jumped on board and they were amped on it, you know, at the time. You know, it was something, it was kind of like we were the bad boys of their happy world kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was presented, you know, safe for them. But we had the, 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 the background. And, and, and the history behind this, you know, it wasn't just guys thrown together, you know, to make some bullshit band. Sure. And then, um, long story short, yeah, we was ended it? up getting, you know, we got signed to Epic and, um, 
we ended up, we did a record with Howard Benson at the time. He did those Papa Roach records and P.O.D. P.O.D., Hoover Stank and all those type of bands. And then um, the next thing you know, we were our, main, on, on our, tour. our first tour <laughs> was main support for this band Story of the Year who had like a number one song on the radio. And that was our first show was so we're, we're on a I'll bus move. too, like we're on a bus. Dude, you, Dave, so you never heard like five hardcore dudes hitting the What stage were you doing there? And I was guitar tech. Okay. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Right. So and my brother was tour managing our other buddy, Martin from Europe, who's now currently the tour manager for the 1975. He was doing merch, right? So basically these guys brought all the Madball dudes in. You know what I mean? So we came in, whatever. And uh, if these guys would hit the stage, Dave, it, it would just be teen girls screaming. Yeah. <laughs> really? I remember, yeah. Yo, I remember being like, damn, this is well, crazy. You know what I remember? Man, the like, what happened? No, but you know what I remember? Because we used to talk about it before that, before that band started, like, man, if one of us could blow up, imagine us on tour where we could all be on tour together. Like, we wouldn't have to outsource people. And I never forget this. We were writing. Our first show was, I think it was Orlando House of Blues. And we were in a bus. Because first of all, when this band came together with Hazen Street, we know all the stories about major labels and about, you know, they were trying to sell you a story. You guys are going to be millionaires, blah, blah, blah. But we, we know, we don't believe we got nothing till it's in our hands. Sure. You know what I mean? But we said, you know what? No matter what, we're going to make this shit work for us. So we took every dime we could get out of that whole shit. We said... <laughs> We're going on tour, we want a bus. We want a, we need a drum tech, we need guitar tech. Well, guess what? We got our guitar tech, we got we brought all our boys. And so we were riding down and we were in the bus and we were blazing and we we sat in the bus and we were looking at each other and we said, Yo, we did it. We're all, you know, we did it. We're fucking we're all together on a bus. And it's our bus, like it's our bus. You know I mean? Yeah, it's not like so, yeah. Wasn't another band, like it was the band's bus, dude. That was it was us, you know, us in the band, right? So. so, and then it was cool. Like we got to do like the whole mainstream shit with that a little bit, you know. Like, um, how long did that last? Did, how long did, was the tour? That oh, tour, that, I mean, man, that, that tour was like, was like a month weeks? or something. Yeah, month, it wasn't standard month or whatever. But Five weeks. I think that whole cycle, or it lasted like, uh, what, like a year, maybe eight months, you guys, right? I think a year or something. Cause I, cause we went. Well, they, Dave, I bailed in right after, right uh, during the POD tour because I got the call to go do Slayer. So oh, I ended up. Remember that? Yeah. Ah. Yeah. And then I. Yo, I thank you, thank you, Slayer. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> dicks! What a bunch of dicks! Sell out. Yeah, I would have left. But you yeah, remember, total sellout. You remember, do you remember? Life. Oh, you remember when, when I told you one day off? I want to fucking ride on a bus all the time, fly first class. <laughs> Yo. Well, we, what happened was we were flying in to do uh, to start the POD tour, and on the layover in Minneapolis, I got the call. So when I started, the, when I saw it, remember I told you, I, I was like, "Yo, you bailed mid I, mid okay. tour, even you bailed I, I had to, tour. Man. What the dude, fuck, man, it was Slayer, man, for I, your man, boys, hold, even yo, for your boys." Hoya understood, right? Hoya said, "Yo, go, I give you my blessing." I think I see uh, how it is. I see it how but, it is now. I, I think I, uh, Freddie was kind of like ah. <laughs> yeah. but you know yeah hell yeah, you know we got, it was it was good that you know we were glad that we got to get all our people on and you know we were seeing what what happened with it like we went from that tour we ended up doing a a war tour, tour yeah you know we ended up doing a, another a tour good, with a good charlotte 
He did a good Charlotte. We did a good Charlotte, uh, good Charlotte yellow card tour with fucking Lacuna Coil and fucking somebody else. That's big so, shit. Like, I mean, what happened to it then? What happened to the project? Well, yeah, so long story short, um, basically the shit was rolling. Like, you know, we were getting what we wanted. You know, we ended up doing the, the, the record in L.A. You know, when we did the record with Howard Benson, we were in L.A. We had the apartments at the Oakwoods. You know what I mean? We had the whole shit, you know? And then um, basically um, when we were on tour with the Warp Tour, the, our album didn't even drop yet. But the, one of the last tours we ended up doing was a Warp Tour. And Epic had, the, the, pre, the, 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 the president of Epic, a new guy came in. And when the new guy came in, he came in saying, okay, let's start looking at these numbers. And he's like, who the fuck is this band who hasn't even dropped the record? <laughs> And, and who, why you spend so much money on these guys? <laughs> Basically, they weren't involved with the whole building of the band kind of thing. And they pulled all our tour support. And they, besides that, they pulled the label. They, pulled, they were pulling tour support from Good Charlotte because I guess Good Charlotte wasn't doing the numbers that they were supposed to be doing. So since they got, you know, they were getting um, all their, uh, what do you call it, all their shit dropped. We happened to be part, part of that perks was the label. And so we had to feel it. So basically after that, it was good. Charlotte was on their own and we were left for, you know, on our own. Gotcha. But, um, you know, but business bullshit. Yeah. It was basically that type of bullshit. And, at, but at the end of the day, we never, it was never our main gig. You know what I mean? We, we, we treated it like the main gig for that year. Cause we were seeing where what happened, you know, we had a lot of shit popping and we said, yo, let's see what could come out of this. But we never <laughs> banked on it. Thank God. Because, you know, we're that type of people that, you know, we've heard all the stories, you know, and we've also, we're banned for 26 years. I mean, on the road, 26 years. So we've, we've been the new band. We've been the medium band. We've been the old band. We've been the hip band. We've been the band that all the big bands say, we want to bring you on tour. We were that band that everybody wanted to be on stage with so they could be seen with us. We were all those things. At the end of the day, we knew, don't depend on nobody, but let's just depend on ourselves. Make sure the music is banging and keep our heads on straight and just keep, you know, doing what we do, you know? And that's what we've been doing. But I mean, there's still a chance for some Hazel Street stuff to come, right? In the future. Yeah, you know. Who knows, you know, like, yeah. I got some new shit I'm more ready to pop off than that, you know what I mean? And I'm Oh, yeah, like, let, let, let's talk about that. Let's talk about True Union, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm doing some new shit, not hardcore, but it's on, and I hate saying that it's just rock, because it's not, it's like, I tell people it's kind of like ACDC with James Brown drums, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it got, I always say, like, if, um, if ACDC broke down in Corona, Queens, that was my old neighborhood, and they came to my house to jam in the basement, that's what will come out. You know awesome. what I mean? Well, because so, this is basically um, like, this is like stuff you had written, but like wasn't really Madball stuff. So you kind of yeah. started putting it together, right? Yeah, it was It was a lot of riffs that I had that was definitely not typical hardcore shit, but it was shit that I was really feeling. And it was like, I listened to a lot of old rock, like the animals and shit like that. And there was shit that I was vibing off that, that was started coming out in the riffs I was writing. And I liked the music I had so much that I just started building it on my own. And then it got to the point where I was like, man, I got to put this shit out. And I got a bunch of, I got like 
20 tracks, not all finished. Wow. But I got about seven finished and about 20 in the works. And do you have the rest of the instrumentation? Rest of the instrument. Do you have the rest of the band together for that shit? All the other instrumentation together? Like yeah, yeah. Like, like you know, I, I don't, I don't, I haven't told people um, and fully everybody who's in the group because I, I don't want to make it like uh, I want people when they see it for the first time to be like, you're gonna know some people and you and you're gonna there's some people that you won't know, but I could just say I, we got the illest rhythm section in the game. <laughs> so just that when it comes to that drum shit, I got a killer. And he's and I leave it like that, but um, it's not like no super group. Some guys were in other bands, but it's just a new group. With um, I tell people after the metal show, after the hardcore show, th this is the show you could go to with your girl, and she could wear a dress, and her tattoos could be shown, and she won't feel out of place, cause the vibe is still, the attitude is still there, but it's not stage dive music you know what i mean it's like i i say it's the music that should be played at that dust till dawn bar you know what i mean yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it's kind of like almost like 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 a head like a heavy um underground rockabilly almost like radio like airplay style like what like radio airplay style like is it gonna get you know i think it, it has yeah i think it has definitely potential for that you know what i mean um, it still has attitude, but there's definitely some real melodic type shit. I, you know, and um, it's hard to describe because it's uh, it's a big not, deal. It's some, yeah, and it's not that it's like groundbreaking, but it's just a weird mix of music, and it got a vibe to it. You know, it's like um, you didn't even put this on our list, Warren. Like it's a total sorry. blindside. Uh, sorry, yeah. man. So listen. So wait, when does that, that drop? Remember, well, hold on. Remember that scene in from Dustle Dawn when they're in the bar, the vampire. Bar and the, the band that exploded. So I remember the I mean, I remember right. the band gotta, exploding, but gotta, like I don't. You gotta watch. You gotta listen to that. That the scene. Like, so the yeah. Music in that so scene. it's not like yeah, exactly. So it's more like the attitude of that type of scenery and band than the actual, you know, music. Sound. Yeah, just the vibe. The vibe. Oh, it, exactly. Right. It's like right. like all right, like the idea of social distortion. Although we don't sound nothing like social distortion, but you could tell it was guys that came from an underground movement that are just doing some music that they want to do that's influenced by other shit. And that's what this shit is like. Like, again, a lot of ACDC is in it. A lot of uh, James Brown-style drums are in it. You know, there's like, it's weird. It's crazy hard to describe. Is this but, dropping um, before the next Madball then? Like, it sounds like this is more, you have this closer to being ready to go than, uh, than where you're recording with the new Madball. Yeah. So basically my plan was this. Um, we were supposed to get together for, we annually throw a Black and Blue Bowl, which is a big hardcore show in New York City. And, um, and my, 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 my plan was, I was we were supposed to play the show and then I was going to hit the studio with the band because we're recording. I'm keeping this project, you know, while I'm starting it, everything is in-house because I'm funding it myself. And basically, I got no funds. <laughs> so, so basically, everything is done, you know, with our, our fam. And I, we're lucky that a lot of our family are guys that have studios and are involved in the game. So it, it just worked out where the plan was to play the show and then we were going to go to Pennsylvania to my boy Stress's studio. Check, check, Shout out check. to Stress. And 
we were going to drop three singles and we we're going to do three videos because I wanted to drop those because we got no label, no management, no nothing right now. And my plan was just, I want to drop three songs, three, because they're three different style songs, three videos, and just put the shit out there and, and just put it out where people don't even, you know, people know I'm working on a group, but they don't know who's in the band, what it sounds like, and just give everybody a visual and a sound and just let it out there. You know what I mean? Just just put it out there while, you know, and let and let's and see what, what happens with it. But um I think it's cool shit and something that again, not that is new, something groundbreaking, but I think it's refreshing for music at the moment. For awesome. it's a in between what a metal guy would like, what a what what a hardcore guy would like, but everybody would appreciate or could be end up in the same bar and not feel out of place with each other. You know what I mean? It's outcast music with style, basically. Love I love it. Tell me a little bit about your uh, about your bass. You play, you play Fenders, P bass. Yeah, yeah, I'm a Fender guy. You know, um, as a kid, I used to, you know, before I could afford one, I had bought some bullshit imitation bass because it looked like a Fender. Right. I just always felt like. And when did you start playing? How how young were you when you started? Oh, uh, playing bass. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I started when I was. We were about uh, 14, 15 years old. Okay. You know, um, the only reason I even wanted to play bass was because my big brother used to talk about playing bass. So I said, all right, fuck it. I guess it's cool. I'll play bass kind of thing. And um, and then when we had a band before we had instruments, me, Beto, the, the guy who played also with, with, with Warren, when we were in junior high school together, we said, okay, let's start a band. What are you going to play? I'll be like, um, bass. Yeah, I've been there. All right. <laughs> you know, that, and, and then, um, but basically, uh, I always loved Fender, but there was no way I could afford it at the time. And then um, I had some imitation bullshit bass I had bought used, but it looked like a Fender. And then when I joined Madball, um, uh, they had got some money together because I was playing an Area Pro. I had a bullshit Area Pro that I had bought use some sprouts because i had, one of, yeah, I I had, had one of those you know and i had that and then they were like yo you got to get something a little better and then i bought a sound gear it was much better sound wise it was but oh so <laughs> those sound gears were great the Ibanez they made sounded it, great but they weren't durable and who and made then, aria pro too there was somebody who was the parent company yeah uh, it, it was, i think it was charvel right it was a charvel. Yeah, maybe, yeah, charvel. yeah 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 jackson yeah. Charvel. so they had the right idea yeah and it was like but Again, and, and I wasn't a gearhead, you know what I mean? I was more into making the songs than really. Yeah. And then when Addie yeah. Henderson, and long story short, I basically, now I'm playing with all the agnostic front guys, guys like Maddie Henderson, Willie, Stigma. These guys are all pl real pro players who've been playing in no gear and sound. And I'm here with this shitty thing, just worried about the song. You're already And that's so our sound. <laughs> and then they would start saying, hey, maybe you should kind of step up your gear. And I was like, well, you, you buy me the shit, I'll step it up. <laughs> and then um, I, we ended up getting a little money from our first, when we got signed a Roadrunner, and then I ended up buying a sound gear. I think it was a sound gear at the yeah, time. I, I had one of those too, yeah. You had, yeah. It, it was, and, uh, I think we had sound gear 800. Yeah, yeah exactly. And um, we used to go buy all our guitars on, um, remember 48th Street? Yeah, 48th Street, Rudy's, all the-, all the Rudy's and all yeah. that. Yeah, that was, dude, that, all that's gone now, right? That's like that gone. All that's gone. gone. That sucks. Gone, 
That's where they filmed that, that Guns N' Roses like, video. Right. We used right. to go there just to look at guitars. Yep. We would travel from Queens yep. on trains just to look <laughs> across like, the fucking country, it. man. That place, uh, it's legendary. Dude, it was exactly. in the Guns N' Roses video, Paradise City. That blew it up, right? Because on the same block, it was always like, you know, the Sam Ash. It was yep. Rudy. It was Rudy. all these other old school guitar shops, man. Like, oh, dude. And they had everything you wanted. Like, yeah, I mean, like, all know, the hot new 80s shit oh, and dude, all the vintage tender stuff. They like, they everything. had everything on that fucking Everything, dude. And, and, and the funny shit is that um, the first time I got to buy an actual Fender, like, I always loved them. But another thing was, I was never sponsored by anybody. Everybody would get sponsored. I mean, like, bums off the street would get sponsored. <laughs> but for some reason, you know, again, we were never, like, like industry people. Not that anything against it or not. We just never, you know, rubbed elbows with those people. Because that's kind of the game, right? Crazy. You need to go to Nam, and you need to be oh, like dude. schmoozing with the A&R guys. Exactly. Yo, you remember that one year we went to a Roadrunner party and the Christmas party? How out of place do we feel, right? It was <laughs> oh, like, hell yo, yeah. what are we even doing here, man? Yeah. Like <laughs> We would go to Roadrunner parties just for the open bar and the food. <laughs> but, yo, um, <laughs> but, but the guy I want to shout out, first of all, I, I Fender's my shit. If they sponsor me or not, I oh, buy yeah. it. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> to, me, to me, it's like a Gibson, like a Gibson, a Les Paul. It's going to be perfect forever. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's yeah, they're like awesome. A thousand great guitars. Give me an old Gibson Les Paul. And, and you know. I'll they had some years. They were, they've had some rough years, but they've been back for a while now, and they I were the, the old classic shit. The old classic shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, if yeah. you get an old classic, you know, like gold. Uh, yeah. or an old classic fucking, I don't even, I'm not a gearhead, but the old 60, 59 bass or whatever. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the those things sound like what they should sound. Yeah, I'm a junkie like, for that shit. You know, and then, um, but I want to shout out my boy Beatty from Hatebreed because... Yeah. Beatty was one of the reasons I was able to get my first bases, be my first friends, because he was, I think he's ESP, right? No, he was ESP, and now he's Jackson. Jackson. Jackson so Jackson owns Fender. guys were friends, right? Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, Fender owns Jackson. Yep. Yeah, so what happened was, Beatty, that's my homeboy. First of all, I got, they, you know, all the Hatebre dudes are fam. Yep. But when I, I, I had put it together that there was the hookup, like, he, you know, he had his base and that um, they were connected with Fender. And he was like, yo, you know, I said, yo, could you get a, a deal for me? And I, I didn't want a, a sponsorship, just a hook. Just like, a, yeah, yeah, like an artist deal yeah. on a fight. So you're not paying retail. Exactly. And he basically was like, yo, yeah. you know, Like I what know, I want right now from Ibanez, Warren. Ibanez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And basically he was like, um, hell yeah, yo. I could, he goes, yo, I can't get you a sponsorship, but I get everything half price or whatever. I said, Pfft. I'm in there. Yeah, so I got two offenders, my two offenders, which one I still have. That's my main baby that's in Europe to this day. I got the those -base? two because of Beatty. P-Base style? Yeah, P-Base. But I put EMGs in them. Oh, so you, you know? play active. Yeah. I, you know, I went back to, to I had, for a little bit, I went back to passive. But for what we do, I was able to get the scoop and the attack I like with my Sans app and, and an EMG. I even had a. And you just run stock EMG pickups, or do they make you anything custom? No, so don't, no, I never got custom anything. 
What the fuck, man? Warren, call your people. I I mean, what the fuck? You bail in the middle of the tour? You don't call your EMG people? I know you got home. Here's the fucking Hoyle Rock EMG bass pickups. Well, this uh, this was a while ago also. Yeah. They they just started doing bass pickups now, like this year. Yeah. So, So, um. Fluence did, so no, too, I'm just saying. Like, I mean, you know, if EMG doesn't step up, I bet you Fluence may. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Fishman. So, so yeah, yeah, Fishman. Yeah, 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 Fishman, Fishman. I, I, I would always throw an EMG in it because I like the, e, I, think the e, I think the sound gear that I had had an EMG, if I remember, or I Got put it. But I remember being it. like, man, it had, um, it had a, a little bit of a, it's hard to describe in words, but, I like, uh, you know, there's bass sounds that are like this, and then there's a bass sound where you hear that, and then you can hear the room. And I felt that I was able to get that with EMGs. So I would use the EMG, and then when the gods came down and brought the fucking Sanzam to me, the game changed. My Fender, an EMG, and a Sanzam, everybody else could go fuck themselves. That makes all the noises <laughs> you need. That's yeah. awesome. Tell me about the flea bass. Oh yeah, oh, hold on. I'll oh, show it right now. The, the salmon bass. Yeah. <laughs> so like this is said, this is the one in the set it off video. No, this no. one's in the, uh, the last one we did. Uh, uh, the fog with the one we yeah. did with. Tim. Yeah. This Tim is this one right here. And again, Fender hooked me up with this one. Shout out to Fender because there's dudes over there that got love for us. Even though I'm not sponsored and I don't always <laughs> get hooked up, I appreciate everything. But um, yeah. The, the crew at Fender hooked me up with this flea bass, which is salmon, not pink. <laughs> <laughs> See, but, um, that looks salmon-y. Yeah, it looks salmon-y, right? But, yeah. you know, it's actually a cool bass. You know, they do all the old, you know, they did yeah, all the Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's all yeah, relic right. out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah even Custom on the knob, fucking, they put real rust on it. Yeah, yeah, um, dude. There's a there's a whole art behind relicking those fucking guitars. Their custom shop is badass. Like they. Oh, I know. Yeah. I, believe me, I I wanted to do some shit to a bass, and I because I saw that some of the shit they do they do. And one day, that's my my dream to like custom get my shit painted how I want it, my color schemes and all that shit. One day, Fender. Yeah, I'm coming yeah. for that. Act. <laughs> but um. Yeah, Warren, no, your man. boy should be calling his fucking people, man. Yeah. Dang. Oh, uh, dude, don't worry about it, man. We got we got shit in the works, man. Don't worry. <laughs> and um, but yeah, I ended up using this on the on the last Mavo album. It sounded great, you know. Um, and again, when even when we oh, went gotcha. in, so that was more recent then, like so. Well, that, I mean, that was that was I think Big Chris and Tim, right? Because we know Mike, our buddy Mike Schultz, that works at Fender. That yeah, does, shout out to Mike. Mike put me up with this. Yeah. yeah. So oh, Mike sweet. Schultz is the guy that. that Mike, uh, Mike, Mike. we are swapping messages with. That's who you're gonna intro me to. Yeah. yeah. Same exactly. dude. Yeah. Mike, shout out to Mike. Mike looked out. Mike looked out for you know he he, he looked out for us. Yeah, definitely. he's a good dude. Yep. He rolled up with this and he was like, "Yo, that's all you." And um, but it was he's funny. Actually, he's actually the guy that is behind that project. He's the guy that, oh, cool. that bought that that base to like flea. He got flea to do the signature. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that, but yeah, he's a yeah. good dude. And um, and then basically um, um, shout out to my man. Yeah, to when we were, anyway when we were doing um, Kev from the Interrupters who engineered our record. Yeah. You know, I basically we had this, and again something about just the P bass make it just you know, and and and, and these other bass. This this sounds like a jazz. I had a. We when we went into our sound, I said make it sound like a P bass. 
<laughs> so basically, I, we went in with the mentality of, you know, a big, round, kind of roundish bass sound. And that's what you used on like, the album. You used that in the yeah, video, I too? Yeah, I used this one on the album. And, um, and then, yeah, but um, it worked out. And then... Um, you yeah, don't play, you know, do you play that one live? Do you go up, do you play a salmon colored bass live? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I, live, live over here, I got, I got my black Fender here. And then I got my, my main Sunburst Fender is the one in Europe. Yeah. And I got, you know, my backup is another P bass. You know, that this one, I, I used to have a jazz. I had, uh, which I love because of the inlays. I had the uh, Getty Lee um, jazz. But I bought it just because he inlays, and it made me look like I really knew what I was doing, you know, <laughs> when he played with inlays. But that one was just for the house. And, um, but, so here's, um, a, here's a random tie-in, too. That one bass, I think it was a sunburst, where Anders, before we met him, right, carries old tech, Anders Aho, the, the gear genius, he was working with Death Angel, and... Hoy's bass crapped out that day, and he, yep. Anders was the guy that came in and put a new jack in for him, cleaned it up, and, and hooked nice. it up. So yeah, he, yeah. Anders was a fucking ninja. No, it was great. Work, you know? It was great because we were like, in, we were playing um, metal camp, and it was in Sweden Slovenia, or something. Or Slovenia, I think. Or yeah, yeah, it was somewhere, but basically, you know, I needed some work done, and then we're like, and then I remember they were like, yo, we can, we'll take care of it. And then at one point I walked, all the guts were all on the floor and everything. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> but um, I know that if you're a metal guy, I, I usually have faith in you with being a gear. <laughs> if you got a mohawk, most likely I ain't going to let you touch my shit. I don't, I don't know, man. I, I was out there on that stage. I may not have, you know, should have not been. Yeah. But at least, you know what, what you guys will, hey, and I, let me give you guys a little bit of a reversal. And I was, and I hope I ain't blowing the guy up, but for once the hardcore guy had to show the metal guy something. So we did a, uh, uh, we did like five. Wait, are we six talking shows. about dunk? <laughs> no, check this out. We did a, a, like five six days with corn and limp biscuit in in Europe. In Europe, right? yes. Okay. Yeah. So so um, the first day of tour. Now on that tour, our old guitarist Mitz was still playing with us. So he was already using the Evertune, you know, tuning on his guitar. The bridge, yeah, yeah, the yeah. bridge. And, you know, um, which I back, if you know how to use it, I back it. I haven't you know? gotten to fuck with one. I hear they're awesome. It, 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 it's fucking amazing. If, if you're Perfect. a rhythm guitar guy, it's ridiculous. You I didn't shit out, yeah, it's out of control, I hear. It, it's so good that I didn't believe it would work because I was like, that's like a dream. A, a, you know, a, a guitar that doesn't go out of tune, you know, it's like, you know, the, the, the well, I had a Gibson, I had a Les Paul with the robot tuner things on it, like was the first kind of, but it nowhere near the same, right? Like that was it, it, like the Evertune is a totally different monster. So it's real quick, the guy who showed us was my man, Ken Susie, who played in Unearth. He's a gearhead. And also when we, he was tracking one of our records and he goes, check out this bridge. It, it, bye, bye, bye. it doesn't go out of tune. And I'm like, all right, this is some new fucking toy, some new fantasy. He literally grabbed the guitar by the strings like that. And then we went ring and we couldn't believe it. And then <laughs> right after that, my guitarist at the time got all his guitars that we used live. He ended up putting that every tune. Oh, wow. But long story short, he's using it. Now we're on the Limp Bizkit, first day of the Limp Bizkit corn tour. And right away, we see the one guitar guy for corn bugging out. Cause he's like, what the fuck, what the fuck? 
basically they corn dudes had got all the ever tuned all their guitars, but never told their texts. <laughs> it was still pretty new and they didn't know what the fuck to do. Right. Nick had to go show them how to tune their shit up. <laughs> and after that, all those guys were like, yo, whatever you guys need, we got you. You know what I mean? That's awesome. Nick basically showed them how to fucking use the Everton. When was this? This um, was like two, three years ago, right? About two, three years ago, yeah. Are we really talking about Dunk? I was just kidding. No, he was no. Oh. He was. <laughs> <laughs> Dunk is uh is Andre right Andreas or Andre whatever you know Andre down there down, down there in Florida yeah yeah works he works I forgot works which guy I know that guys those guys that they were using cause I get I get confused from the Limp Bizkit crew and the Corn crew because there was guys on both sides that our people knew and everybody knew so I would forget who knew who kind yeah, of yeah. shit but it was cool like you know. I know a lot of people that aren't in our world tend to think all these hardcore guys, they just kind of on some one chord, plug in and play shit. But we also take this shit serious and we also know our shit. So it was cool to like. I mean, you guys are kind of, y'all are the icons of the game too. I mean. Yeah, you know, but it was like, good to be like, we got, we know this shit too. and We're up on it. You know what I mean? So it ended up working out, but it, it was cool. Like, you know, being able to do shit like that. But um, yeah, shout out to Fender. <laughs> Offender all day when it face shit, you know. I'll push that yeah. shit. Introduce me. I'll, 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 I don't know them and nor have any ties. I'll just start throwing turds over. Be like, yo, guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we yeah. were talking to Hoya the other day. Like, I mean, I love him so much. Like I, I love him so much. They could tell me to go fuck myself, and I'll say, fuck you, but I'm still gonna buy your shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I'll OG never play another bass, right, so. another bass live unless I had to. You know what I mean? There's no That's other awesome. reason. Yeah, I love their shit. I'm a big Fender fan. Like, yeah. I went to a bunch of other stuff for a little while, and I realized that like, I, I like strats and super strats. That's pretty much yeah. my, my jam. What were we just talking about the other day, Dave, right? Strats, strats. I started playing my old strat. And Fenders, yo, Fenders are great. Fenders are great. Yeah, you know, I mean, look at Again, there's a trillion great guitars. But you go back to the first that every, the, the killers were doing it back then. The yeah. kid, you're gonna still murder with it now. You yeah. know what I mean? Look at a guy. Look at and, and I know how. I, I love watching shredders. I love the eleven string guitar dudes. But to <laughs> me, like, Tony Iommi didn't play that. No. So we don't need to play that. Yeah. Um, uh, James Hetfield didn't play that. We don't need to play that. Uh, you know the, the, the fucking the Chromex didn't play that. We don't need to play that. Even with all the. Uh... Even with all the crazy down tuning and all that stuff, like I mean, there's no doubt that's heavy and shit. But like Slayer and Pantera both never down tuned dick, really. I mean, Slayer has a bit. I mean, it's down tuned a half yeah, like, step, right? Yeah, but it's like, balls. yeah, I mean, yeah. It, you know, and exactly. that's heavy as fucking balls. Like it's some of the heaviest it's, shit ever, right? Like it's all about how it's like orchestrated it, together it, and exactly as the attitude and and, and the and and how you pr present it. That's yeah. why Slayer was always loved by the hardcore city not just because they're influenced by it because you could hear the attitude come out of it you know what i mean the playing there was always better players sure. metallica were always better players but the whole vibe of slayer was slayer there's nothing that could top that they well, had they were, the I mean, slayer specifically was you know you know very hardcore punkish right like, influence well, slayer, you got slayer was like slayer was accepted on all 
across yes. the board by skate punks, metalheads, hardcore dudes. You know what I mean? And and I'll and I'll give you the guys right before that where Slayer continued. It was Celtic Frost first because Celtic Frost was one of the first metal bands that were playing the open chords. And then it wasn't all chugga chugga shit. I right. loved that attitude. And then Slayer took that Celtic Frost now with the palm muting. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I always loved palm muting, but when it was used with style, and Slayer always did it with style to me. You know, and again, having Lombardo, it just, his wobble when he plays, it's a, it's a wobble that just, it made shit feel live. You know what I mean? And it, oh, it was shit that sounded um, um, not mechanical always sounded more aggressive. You know what I mean? Dave, that was, Dave, we, we always describe Dave as like a, a seat of your pants drummer, right? You didn't, never knew what he was going to do, but you knew whatever he did was going to have flavor, right? Yeah, it was gonna because be this is a thing. You got guys like uh, that are tight, real tight. Like, let's say um, I'm uh, um, one of these guys, like, so let's say, um, um, the Faith No More guy, great with the dreadlocks, great drummer, bah, 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 like a machine, da da da. Dave is a looser drummer, but that's what a drummer should be, where you let the kick breathe, where you let in the sound breathe. You know, you're not just stepping on top of your tones. And that's the problem with drummers. They tend to step on their own tone when a drummer that has a wobble, if it was Sabbath or, or Slayer, you heard the drums breathe. And people forget instruments are alive. You know what I mean? That you got to let the shit breathe to speak. Yeah. And when you don't do that, it starts mumbling. You know what I mean? Dave, Dave's on the list for a future guest, too. We're gonna yeah, yeah. And when, you, and when you have the right drummer and you have the bass, you know, that's, that's, that's already, you know, you're there. Your money. You know, again, like the, the Black Sabbath, the fucking, you know, the, the Slayers. You know, even that, even that was Slayer. You know, the bass ain't a main thing on it. But without those drums and the palm muting, the dig it, 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 dig it. Well, now he's basically doing what the bass would do. You know what I mean? It's the same concept of having just the right, which let the shit breathe. Which, again, why bands like Obituary was so loved. Shout out to Obituary. Because they took Celtic Frost, the double bass, that Slayer, and Slayer brought his game, but now they got the open chord with the thing, and you know, you got that. <laughs> I love it. So here yeah. we got uh we got time. <laughs> I, I, there's another story we have to hear before we uh before we jet. Um, there is a uh, Tijuana story from the Earth Crisis Madball tour. <laughs> oh my god. Oh man, we really want to get into this. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we got it. Basically, um, we want tour was us, Earth Crisis, Scarhead. These are all basically good friends of ours. And Earth Crisis, they're a very known um, vegan straight edge band. Best guys. Well, let's, let's tell, well, let's tell the story. Because remember when we first heard you guys, remember we looked at each other, we were like, yo, you guys are sharing a bus with Earth Crisis? Like, yeah. How's that going to go, bro? Exactly. Like, <laughs> these guys were militant vegan straight edge dudes like you know, 15, 20 years ago where... Yeah. It wasn't like very yeah, known, you know what I mean? That's crazy. Like, this was, it was still like a new thing, so it was like, dude, how's this gonna work? You know? <laughs> yeah, basically. And you guys uh, were sharing we, a bus. 
Yeah, like we didn't oh, know, yeah. we knew of each other, but we weren't friends yet. So we already knew, okay, this we're gonna share a bus with each other, and like this is gonna be interesting. But in a but automatically that's intimate. I mean, buses that's an intimate environment. If you're exactly yeah, exactly. And then um, but in a second we connected. You know, where yeah, I love that those guys are end up being like yeah, the best friends. You know what I mean? Best, so it's crazy. Like, they're killers. They're killer players and great dudes, and those are family. But. You know, we ended up connecting with them, but you know, these guys are vegan, straight edge guys that didn't party. Then you had us who partied and were not so vegan. <laughs> and then, um, and then we had our, our boys, Scarhead and Hayfree was on the part of that tour. They were yeah, open the beginning, the yeah, they, they, yeah, they were the beginning, but on the east coast half, and then blood, yeah. blood did the second half, so. yeah. And then Scarhead, they were everything, they did uh, everything that was animals. left over, yeah, did all but, the cocaine, uh, strippers, <laughs> everything, but, right? but long, yeah, but. <laughs> Long story short, Full on rock and roll. And it's funny, Slayer's actually connected to this in a weird way. Because that day we were playing in San Diego. We had a day off in San Diego. And I, I knew when we're all together in a foreign place, where a place like where Tijuana or a Vegas or something, I'm like, it could be bad news. You know what I mean? And I, we were like, um, but something about this one day, I said, a couple of my guys said, yo, let's go to TJ. And I said, you know what? I've never been there. You know what? We're in San Diego. We got a day off. Fuck it. So I yeah, go to my it's boy. Only, it's only like, a, it's what, an hour and a half away or something from San Diego? No, dude, Not it's even? Like, it's right yeah. there, dude. Like a half hour train ride. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> so basically, I go to my boy, Ezek, who's one of the biggest partiers. And I go, yo, E, come on, let's go. And I never forget. He looked at me. He was like, you fucking bugging? Like, he knew what I kind of was feeling. Like, what are you, crazy? That's like a recipe for something for destruction and i'm like and i'm like ah fuck you went Yo, he said no in. and you still went bro that's, that's <laughs> on you so slayer was, slayer was playing san diego that day so they decided to stay and watch the show anyway okay. so it's weird we end up going to tijuana there's a bunch of us we're all happy blah 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 we're all hanging out and we arrived to revolution ab which is the main and this is risky tijuana. right you guys are still in the middle of tour yeah, this was in the middle yeah, yeah. of tour. So you, yeah, yeah. Oh, so you yeah. Still gotta, so, there's a show like the next day. The next day. The yeah. next day. <laughs> so we have a day off on this, and we're like, oh, let's go in. So Earth Cry, as we get on Revolution, I don't know if you know Tijuana, but Revolution is the main avenue where everybody parties and all the wild shit happens. At, we, we, we show up in the like, we get there probably 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and as we're walking, we see the Earth Crisis guys, they're walking back to the train station to go back home. And then we're like, yo, hey, hang out, guys, hang out. We're just getting here. They're like, nah, we're getting out of here before. <laughs> and we're like, whatever, whatever. So a bunch of us, we start walking the boulevard. And um, I'll never forget this one little Mexican dude. He looked like the bad guy in the movies, you know, scar on his face, <laughs> the whole thing. He's basically like mad dogging us as we're walking by. We walk by him. We go to the store to get drinks. We come back. We pass him again, and he stops me, and he goes to me, hey, in Spanish, he goes, I know you guys ain't from around here, but be very, very careful tonight. And we're like, looking at him, like, ah, whatever, whatever. <laughs> so the whole night, we end up in a bar. You know, everybody's trying to hustle you for money. They're trying to shortchange you. They're pouring drinks down your throat, but then they're trying to charge you 10 times the amount. We end up all drunk as fuck. We're, we're all headed back. It's 12 midnight. Who knows what it is? As we're the avenue is full of kids partying, and this is Tijuana now. 
the police there, the, the, the federales, they call them, they drive around in a green truck hanging off the sides of it, like a SWAT team. The police on the motorcycles were doing wheelies up and down the avenue. The police. This is the type of animals these, these cops were. But check it out. The crazy part is, so we're all drunk trying to stay together. And I, I'm, we're too busy trying to get everybody together. And as we're talking, trying to figure out what we're doing, one of my brothers, a very known graffiti writer, he starts... He crosses the street and he starts bombing a gate. He's drunk and he starts tagging on the gate. Now there's thousands of people on the, on the street. <laughs> so he starts bombing the gate and then my other boy, Richie Scam, ends up going and to do, do the same shit. Long story short, I Wait, Where back. did they get paint? Exactly. They're, 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 they're graffiti guys. I mean, what the fuck is in Tijuana? Like you're going Tijuana, across the border? You get Viagra, fake titties. Whatever you want, you get it in Tijuana. Yo, look, so real quick, just to, to chime in, right? When I first started working for Slayer, I, I, I went to Europe, and their gear was in Europe, right? I looked down at one of the cases. Hold on, what did I see? Remember? Yo, uh, a tag. Our homeboy tagged it up. Uh, the case from, like, 1995, bro. Yeah. Like, straight up. I was, this guy is so, just, he's yeah, the most, he's, yeah. he's insane. But yeah. then, my, as he goes to tag, we're all pissed drunk. My other boy says, fuck you, let me cop a tag. <laughs> he ends up getting caught by the police, the police. So I'm too busy trying to gather our guys on the sidewalk. And the next thing I know, I look to my left, I see him in a cop car. <laughs> in a cop car. And I start flipping out like, what the fuck? Yo, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I turn my head. And as I turn back towards the cop car, I see my other boy. Walk by the car and pop the door open. <laughs> so my boy Richie, handcuffed, goes flying out the car and starts running into darkness down the dark path of Tijuana. Handcuffed. Behind the his police, back. What, what's the, the end game with chase that? Him. They chased Listen. him for blocks until he started hearing gunshots when, he, when stopped he stopped and yeah. fell on the floor. As he falls on the floor, they grab him, they grabbed him, they started beating the fuck out of him. <laughs> we're all on the avenue, drunk, trying to figure out what the fuck we're going to do. They pull up with him in the car and they say, if you want him, come to this precinct. So we're all like, what the fuck? So Freddie and another one of my boys ends up going to that precinct while we all wait on the avenue, trying to figure out what the fuck we're going to do. <laughs> when Freddie goes to the precinct, the, we go, we need to get our boy. And we're like, what's you gonna call the guy? The, the, the police captain tells him, how much money you guys got? That's the first thing he tells him. And we're like, what? We're like, how much do we need to get him out? He writes down a number and then shows him a paper. Yeah. Like sketchy shit. Yeah. And we're what? Mexico, bro. Yeah. We're like, fuck that. We're gonna look. They're basically driving him around with him in the back seat. Anyway, Jeez. ends up being we end up. It was ten of us on the way there, and on the way back home, it ended up being two of us. <laughs> everybody got scattered and whatever. What ended up happening was they put my boy in jail for the day. They were trying to get as much money as they could out of us, but sure. they didn't stay. They didn't tell us that if nobody presses charges, they got to let you out in 24 hours. So, <laughs> so, it was, so but there's so a show the next that, day. So, yeah. So, so Freddie found out. Freddie found out and got cleaning supplies, and him and my other boy had to scrub the fucking. <laughs> the fence, the, the, the gate, 
And but they try to scrub it. Then they ended up meeting back with the tour. He was still in jail. <laughs> the, the opening band stood back and they had to bail him out. Basically, they let him out. You know, since they got cleaned off, he got bailed out for nothing. Jesus. And, yeah, and they ended up. They they missed one show, but then continued the next. Yeah. But um, was that with a bus, or were you guys in a van, or like so, how were you guys so, traveling? So it was Earth Crisis and Matt on a bus, and then and, Scarhead in a van. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Scar, Scarhead was guys that stayed behind. And right? they, right. Was, they did their half in a van too when they yeah. first. Holy shit! So, yeah. so it ended up being, but like everything in between, like you name it, it happened in between. Like as we were waiting. For, for Freddie to find my boy, we got thrown up against the wall to get searched. And they start uh, patting down my, my old drummer at the time. And he's like, ooh, that was a girl cop. He started like, giggling. She turned him around and smacked him. <laughs> we were like, well, dude, they also, like wait, when, what happened when, to Scarface? When, Did Scarface appear again? So, so yeah, no. no. You know what's funny? He never appeared again. But I swear, that was the devil. He gave us a little, a little 411 on what was going to happen that day. So, yo, R Richie ended up, like, staying in jail for like, 24 hours and getting the shit kicked out of him by the cops. Really? Yeah, I oh, fucked yeah. him up. He ended up in jail. And the funny story about him, when he got out, they let him out. And he was like, they let him out the, the door. And he's like, okay, now in the middle of nowhere. And he was waiting for our guys to go pick him up. The, well, the guys that were left to grab him. And he, as he's walking, he says a bunch of wild dogs start chasing them, you know, <laughs> dogs. So he ends up jumping on top of a car to get the fuck away from the dogs. As he's then, on top, then, listen to this, as he's on top, the dogs are trying to get on top. A limousine, it was a taxi limo, pulls up next to it, and the sunroof opens up, and it was Goat and the other guys of yeah. Scarhead that can't bail him out. He ended up having to <laughs> the sunroof. To get in the limo. No fucking way. <laughs> and then we finished the show. Straight, like shit straight out of a movie, bro. You can't make this shit up, dude. Yeah, Holy great, fuck. Dude. Oh, man. I've never but been yeah. to Tijuana. I don't think I'm going. No, yeah, you don't need to go. If you want to go, Tijuana, you go during the day and that's it, right? Come back. You go during the day and stay yeah. away from the donkey show. <laughs> that doesn't exist does it like come on not there in thailand it does but that's another story yeah like i've heard that like you go down oh, and a donkey show and like and like they give you the weird eye like that's not real right it's all a hustle everything yeah man. yeah it's a hustle. Do everything is bullshit like you know but that's tijuana hustle you know what i mean shout out to all my mexicanos though you know what's up. I've gotten in an argument with my wife over if there was a donkey show, would you watch? <laughs> She's, of course, like, hell no. And I was like, you would have to, right? I mean, that's fucked up. But, like, I mean. Yeah. I've seen a crazy show in Thailand. Yeah. I'd Warren. Yo, let's not bring up Thailand, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they, they do some crazy shows there. But, um, yeah, we survived Tijuana, and I didn't even get a fucking T-shirt. <laughs> Wait, so have you guys toured Thailand and shit? You guys have been to Japan, you did Australia, so you've done Far East yeah. and everything too. We got to be we got like there for a hardcore show for something that's, you know, like Yeah. It was good. like Japan had a Japan had always a, a punk scene, you know, a good punk scene and hardcore. <laughs> scene. And um we just that did was... Thailand uh, 2 years ago and it was great, you know, like you know, they're real traditional like hardcore style but like, you know, that was uh, Three, four hundred kids in wow. Bangkok, you know, 
like real hardcore kids too, which it's, it's rare to see a, a scene like, and the hardcore scene that's not mixed in as much as like, as it is in America, you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, we got to play like, I mean, we played all over the world, but like Thailand, Indonesia was like crazy. They have an old hardcore punk scene there. Wow. And, uh, and we played Australia, you know, all those places. Maybe, I mean, I just know. wouldn't expect, right? That's not what you, like, I, it's, you know, seems crazy. I mean, dude, yeah. guys going to bring up old, like, you guys toured Brazil in two cars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did Brazil in two cars. We did, we did, we were driving through the jungles of Brazil in two cars. So, so like, how do you crazy. get cabinets around? Are cabinets strapped to the top or in the trunk? No, we no, had to borrow gear. Borrow shit. Wow. We just had our guitars. And sometimes in the early days, we had to sneak in with no guitars because we couldn't say we were musicians. So in some places, we had to borrow shit. And, you know, it was a, it was a cluster. Oh, because of uh, having the right visas and all that. You know, exactly. I have all that kind of bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So we wow. used to go with wild style. But we made it happen, you know? We gotta make, you gotta, when you want it, you got to make it happen, you know? You just did <laughs> Thailand a couple years ago. So... <laughs> So yeah, but days off was that crazy? I've never go, I've yeah. never been to Thailand either. No, yeah, we've been to Thailand before on vacation and stuff. Like we, I love it out there. So it was good. There's to a go lot of back. chicks with dicks in Thailand, aren't there? Well, Dave, yeah, I, but I, I, in America, Dave, I, there's a lot of dudes with dicks that act like chicks. So it's I mean, that's valid. It's valid. <laughs> yeah, so, like, Dave, I live there for. As long as they for... buy a t-shirt, as long as they buy a t-shirt, you're welcome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh. <laughs> I uh so Dave, I lived in Thailand for about three years, right? And you know, just from talking about it or over the years or whatever, these guys were like, "Yo, we gotta go," yeah. and they ended up going. It was you, who, who, it was you, my brother, Me, Narc, and a couple when, of our friends. Yeah, we yeah, fell in yeah. love with the country and the people because um, even one of my friends ended up getting married out there. Like, oh, that's awesome. We, they're really amazing people, and I love the country. You know, the same thing. I always had a thing with, as you can see, with Warren and Royce, with these, you know the smaller eye people, you know, I, would, <laughs> you know, like, I love, I, I love me some Asians too. Yeah, <laughs> Did you have some raw dog Thai food and shit then too? Like, I mean, hell yeah, dude. Oh, dude. Oh, real Thai, same thing like with Japan. I always had a thing and infatuation where, you know, I, we, we always trained in something, jujitsu and something. And, you know, the samurai culture and the mentality and the whole, the, the respect and the same thing. And what, what in an Asian style culture and the family, they're family oriented and even food, just everything about it. We were always Dave, Dave knows he's trained Tai Chi for years. He knows Tai Chi, yeah. Kung Fu. I, so, yeah, I've yeah. been exposed to all that shit. Yeah, so you know, we fell in love with that. You're the, the Gaijin, the Guai Lo. Yeah, that's so right. Yeah. Gaijin. Hey, hey, how could a billion people be wrong, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah, we fell in love that with that shit. So we, 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 we got as far as a hardcore band. And even any band, we got to play. We played almost everywhere, like That's awesome. Almost anywhere, like you know, from you know, all of Scandinavia, you know, to the the the, the um, Indonesia, to you know, the, the Australias, New Zealands. You know, we did all over South Americas. You know, um, everywhere in Europe. You know, Russia, fucking. Um, I mean, almost I can see any Russia having band. a pretty cool scene. Is that is that legit? Yeah. I yeah. love Russia. You know, shout out to all my Russians out there. They, There's they a lot of angry people. A lot of angry youth in Russia. They've been following us and just heavy music yeah. forever. Yeah. And uh, just a lot of love. And, you know, they have that attitude, too. They have a real, you know, um, it's funny because a lot of the Russians we see in the movie, 
are the big, you know, the Russians that don't say much and they don't seem. They're, they're, you have a lot of cold uh, style exterior, but they're warm people. Yeah, man, like, they're welcome. They're, they're more family oriented than you yeah. than you would than you would figure by the way they present it. You know, but um, it's almost four twenty my time now, Warren. All right, so we'll, let's get blazing. But uh, at one point, uh, oh yeah, remember we did uh, we did Australia together. It, it was uh, <clears throat> it was Sound a Soundwaves tour, right? So Dave, there was like you know, how many like seventy bands on the tour, right? Like, okay. what do you mean? How many? It was Cro Mags, Slayer, Anthrax, Madball, like they were all VOD, and then yeah. Slayer, um, uh, fucking who? Uh, Lincoln Park, Metallica, yeah, Metallica, right? So it was whatever, and uh, they these guys on the days off. These guys would play shows. It was Madball, VOD, Sickathon, three New York bands. And so on, on my days off, it worked out. I was in the same city. So we right, we spent that whole tour almost hanging yeah. out together every day. Right? It was great. Yep. So yep. I got that? that. We got I went to the one Slayer show by the you remember by the um, by the amusement park. Yeah, in the amusement park in the, in uh where is that? That's Sydney or Melbourne? You know what? I forgot. I think that's Melbourne, Sydney, right? That's Luna Park. Luna yeah, park. Luna Park. Luna yep. Park, right? Yeah, so Sydney, yeah. So it was cool, like exactly meeting up there and like it's well, we crazy. We met up a, a, a bunch of places. Remember that one time in Spain, right? We did the oh, same festival. Yeah, you know what it is though. It's weird. Like back in the day, we we did more before you were playing with Slayer. We did more festivals with them before you were yeah, with them. Working, yeah, yeah. Before I was working with them. We yep. would do in the early days. We would be on Wald Rocks in the full. Yeah, force it was weird. And then when I saw work with them, I don't think we ever did. We ever do a Slayer in Europe? Not Europe. At festivals, we'd always miss each other. Right? We miss each other, even back probably in the day. Because you dissed them to go join Slayer, man. That's probably why. It's like uh, karma, yeah. doesn't, got, yeah. karma Dave, doesn't work like that. Dave, yeah. why you got to bring up old shit, man? <laughs> Just saying, man. I mean, because it's day. new to me. It's new to me. It's still fresh. I feel yeah. it. <laughs> and back in the day, we would play a lot with, um, like, a lot of festivals with um, Machine Head, Fear Factory, with Slayer. We did a, a bunch of show, you know, a couple festivals were 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 made, and we got to do a Sabbath, one of the Sabbath reunions when they had the Fake No More drummer. I oh, wish it was cool. with, I wish it was with, you know, reward, yeah. but it was the next best thing for me. Well, you we know, saw, um, we saw we saw Black Sabbath that that one time in Nassau. That was the oh, end all and be all, the best show ever. I mean, that's and a big deal. Wait, so you got to share a stage with Sabbath after all that of growing up? And that's a yeah, big, that's a big deal. That, Hell there yeah, was right? two, two moments that I really don't, I never was a big, you know, I was never like a starstruck kind of dude or none of that shit really mattered. I always thought it was cool that we got to do shit. But two things that happened to me that I felt like, cause my, for my brother, when I got to play with Sabbath, that was my favorite band. And to say I played with Sabbath, who my brother loved, I felt like, man, this is a something real cool that I got to do in my life. And the second one happened just a couple of years ago. Um, a good friend of mine is the head of security for Iron Maiden. So when yeah. they played here, basically I was on Nico McBrain's guest list. So I got to go to the the, 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 the box office and say, um, I'm on Nico McBrain's fucking um, guest list, Hoyer Rock. And they go, here, Mr. <laughs> Hoyer Rock. <laughs> Just to say that I said, I was on his personal guest list and they go, okay, Mr. Hoyer Rock. And I had all access. I felt like, I just put up a picture the other day of me in an Iron Maiden shirt. I was 11 years old. I saw that shit. That was fucking baller. So to me, that's why I was kind of like, who would go figure? Like this kid from Queens, you know, people look at me, don't even think I play heavy music. And that 
I got to do that. That was a little, that was a notch in my fucking belt that I was Fuck yeah, man. Like, that shit feels good. Like, Warren, yeah. like, I get that shit all the time. Warren always acts like I'm a fanboy bitch, but, like, he's wrong. Yeah, because you are, good. man. Look at you. <laughs> Eat a dick. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> I am. Sometimes I am. Let's get you, cool, though. You know, you, you get, get all giddy and stuff sometimes, man. I, see I you do. Hey, I don't show it. I keep it cool, man. I keep it cool. <laughs> I show it. It was cool, though. Yeah, like, not, like, friends aren't supposed to make you feel like a dick like that, and all Warren does is keep it real. Make you feel like a dick. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not cool. Like, like, you know, I grew up with Slayer. You know what I mean? Like, I loved them. Like, to me, they were like the metal band. If you had to be the metal band, that was the metal band you had to be. You know what I yeah, mean? It was, that was and, my jam. You know, and it always was, you know. And, you know, I met the guy, you know, I met the uh, you know, it was cool. I, I loved it more my first show playing with them to say, yo, I played my show, first show with Slayer that first time. And then, you know, like, I, I played that festival with Metallica. Metallica's great, don't get me wrong. But to me, that sticks out in my head was playing with Slayer the first time and playing with Sabbath. Yeah. That, those were the ones that were, I felt like, who would, who would ever think, that we would end up doing this. Yeah, and that's why when I when, I, know that Dave, when I got the call, Dave, I left with Hoyas blessing. All right, so yeah, <laughs> mid tour even. No, no, I yeah, guess. yeah, <laughs> that's all right. We 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 made it happen, half assed, but we made it happen. No, man, I mean it would like everything. That's how shit's supposed to work. I wouldn't have then like gone out with Slayer and then met Warren and ended up sticking around out there and getting to be a tech and having. All of my fanboy moments and shit. Like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Everything works for you know reason. You know what I mean? Like Warren's even when he fucking started out, I remember he was like, "I'm gonna start get, like teching." I was like, "You don't, you play a bass. You don't know how to t- fucking work a bass or a guitar." <laughs> but you know, whatever he, it worked. Learning it, he studied it, learned it, and then fucking you know, being in the right place, right time. You know, you you're available. You make yourself available. That's kind of what it turns out, job. right? Yeah, you're like willing to go out there and do it. Some of it's just being willing to deal with that lifestyle too, right? Like that's not a normal kind of lifestyle. Like no, exactly. And you know that was the thing. Like when I first started out too, like dude, I wasn't allowed to touch these instruments. I was allowed to set up the gear. That's it. You know what I mean? Like there was, at one point in time, they I was trusted to be like, okay, now you can start handling the instruments. You know what I mean? So, so it yeah, learning, yeah. learning. It was a learning process. But you know, but coming up the coming up the way we did, where we had to do everything ourselves. Sure. We're the best type of dudes to to throw in the fire because our whole lives are in the fire, making shit happen, yeah. being you know, for the moment. What happens if you don't have all your fifty cabinets? What happens if you don't have your big a, a daisy chain of pedals. What happens if you don't have, all right, now you got to make it happen with a fucking guitar, a Marshall cabinet, and a cap, and, and, and a cord, and a pick. Yeah. You got to be able to do it all. You know what There's I mean? a lot of metal dudes that can't pull that off, dude. I mean, there's a exactly. lot of, like, I mean, metal sounds require some extra. Exactly. Juice. But that's why, you know, this is what I give Metallica, because Metallica, I, I always knew, I always used to feel like, man, they wouldn't sound the same without all their shit. But, I seen them jam on Howard Stern, where they did a live jam, and it's fucking raw as fuck. And they have animal. Yeah, it's amazing. I I wanted to hate on it more, and I couldn't. I was like, man, okay, they really do are, are animals. They well, they're uh, that was relatively recently, right? So yeah. they were running fractals or something, so they can mimic that sound without having to lug around all the heads and having the yeah. teeth all tweaked out and. But but even the, the performance. Yeah yeah, you know, they got I'm it done. Thinking, yeah. 
you know, because no matter what, when you play live on, on a TV show, it never sounds the same. There's always, know. you know. They did Master of Puppets, right? That was when they did Master of Puppets on there, too, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Kirk I was fucking tore that solo up, man. Like, that was a, he played it well. People give him a lot and, of shit. Like, that, it fucking yeah. sounded good, dude. Listen, the, the palm muting, <laughs> the whole shit is Metallica. And I was like, you got to get, like, again, they came from the era, like Slayer, where yeah, you're playing in a backyard with a cabinet. Yeah. yeah. You should be able to make it happen. You know what I mean? That's how no. all those bands came up. You know, no, I never realized there was a big uh, controversy about Master of Puppets on that main riff of down picking everything versus alternate picking. Oh, yeah. You know, I, they always, because back then it was all oh, Hetfield only down picks. Down I know, but I've always picks. alternated, alternate picked that section. And I'm like, what the fuck? There's actually a thing about it. And everybody like, this is it. If you fucking alternate, whatever. Like, I, and, I wanted to watch so he, Kirk do that again just to see if Kirk down picked everything because he seems like the type of guy that may alternate pick that shit. Yeah. Alternate. Now, from Matty Henderson, as far as the metal, metal guitar, he always loved the Hetfield. So we would down pick all our shit. So even to this day when I write riffs, I downpick because of Hetfield. Even the fastest of the fast, Maddie. you don't fucking go back and forth, huh? No. Unless, unless you just literally are fucking going blistering fast. And you now, have. now, I learned to, to learn the sweet spots for double because I learned it's easier and it, it's not necessary to downpick everything. But I learned how to downpick because Maddie Henderson and because of James Hetfield. Got and it, we're right. like, it always sounds better when you go in the junk, junk, you know. It that, does. It, it, it's harder to get, a, you know, that same sound going the other way. Exactly. You can to do it. Like, if you hit it hard as fuck, and some people puss out on their upstroke, right? But, it, yeah. yeah, it's still, it's not the same as, as I mean, but still, Kerry goes really fast with that fucking right hand on those down picks, yeah. too. Like, and also, hard. I think, you know, what, what I think with Slayer, what helps him be able to do it up and down is their tone. Their tone kind of, it, it, it helps with that keeping it more consistent i think since it's a little bit dirtier maybe and metallica had a little bit more traditional or just an overdriven sound that you would get a different tone from the down and then the up that makes you sense. know what i mean because it was more overdriven yeah because they kind of just went raw boogie didn't they or exactly yeah, yeah. that was the whole maddie henderson always loved eddie van halen because that's where i learned the difference between all overdriving and distortion. There's sure. a big difference. And Metallica was more of a overdriven Over, sound. Yep. It was more of a distortion. Distortion, yep, absolutely. Yeah. So also, I think that concept might might have helped with, you know, the well, tones and that, that sound from Metallica oh, came from the cascading gain stages in a Mesa, right? Like that was they 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 sort of pioneered that early Mesa. Yep. You, you know, massive also, gain sound. Remember, Two, the, the two styles, right, with both bands, with Slayer and Metallica. One guy, James Hetfield and Kerry King, are all risk. They're solid yeah. risk guys, right? Yeah. And then you take Kirk Hammett and Jeff Hanneman, who are all forearm guys. Yeah. yeah. Right? So those two blended, and that's part of their tone, right? So, and, and also, did, I think did Metallica Jeff go more Kirk, alternating, or did Jeff go more down picking all the time? Jeff, he probably Jeff, both, right? Jeff was both. You know what I mean? Yeah. Jeff did a yeah, lot. Just because you can't always downpick. If you use that locked arm, you'll cramp up, right? Like, cause yeah. yeah. That's why yeah. for me, I get arthritis. <laughs> <laughs> but I I give it a head field. I, I mean, I don't I never sat there and watched his whole set, but I know he does a lot of down picking. Like I, mean, I think it's almost all fucking down picking. His right hand is a monster. 
like his arms and, and just got to be beast. Exactly. Must, like and, almost break his dick off when he's jacking off. And, and, and I also, and I also take that because after the, the first Metallica was all fast, as the record went on, you could tell the riffs were, were riffs that, um, what do you call it? That, uh, that, that, um, that sounded good down pick. They kind of complimented the picking style. But even that thing, like the jun jun chugga jun, right? To do a jun jun, he does a chugga jun on a down pick where it seems like that would right? Like it, yeah, that's just his style. That's his style. To do it so low and to do it so low on the guitar, it's fucking pretty crazy. Yeah. But, um, what do I have to edit that or something more? And is that it grossly inappropriate? What? What I said. No, it's fine. What are you talking about? <laughs> Say whatever. You're just so weird for saying that. Why would you look like that? You're weird. Even, what? Fucking Where did that come from? It was funny. If you had a beast right arm, like, I don't know, it just popped in my head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, so when you think. Forget <laughs> it. I see a head feel then. Uh, go back. Play two strings. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, shout out to James Hatfield, wherever you are, motherfucker. <laughs> you know, he's he's got the best right hand in fucking heavy metal, basically. Man. He's yeah. in. Uh, doesn't he spend most of his time up in? Uh, yeah, Aspen? up by you. Yeah, by in Vail. Aspen. Yeah. You know, I think is it Vale or Aspen? I think he's Aspen, dude, where the beer flows like wine. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's smart. <laughs> he, you know, he goes. Yeah, he he goes where he could do his hunting and his down picking all what? by himself. <laughs> 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 if I had his fucking right hand, his, his picking hand, just for one record, I would mark it. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, it's fucking hilarious. But yeah, he's got. I think he's got his own property. He's got a self-sustaining property up in Colorado yeah. where he hunts. He's got like a farm. You know what I mean? He hunts his own yeah. food. He cook. He cooks his own food. He kills his own food. He does everything. Yeah, he right? so does it all. He's got that yeah. Ted Nugent thing going on the whole. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So well, that's and why he left. That's why he left the Bay Area, right? So. And yep. it's fancy schmancy up there, dude. Like Aspen is a community of fancy. Yeah, shit, dude. Like it's uh, I, I we drove up there once for a weed meeting, and I'm uh, pretty sure it's not. I'm pretty sure he's in Vail, dude. Not Aspen. Our producer, I know, is already on top of this and <laughs> and, 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 and trying to find it. But <laughs> we will I'm, see I'm, a text I'm, here shortly. Yeah, I think I'm it's really Aspen, sure. dude. Like I think it's swankier now. Vail's a ski town. It's Vail. <laughs> All right, so I'm wrong. Uh, oh, see, I told <laughs> he's down picking a ski. He's down he is. Picking he's Vail, down bro. picking and skiing. Yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. So it's Vale. I mean, Vale's swanky as fuck too, right? Like, I mean, if you're, but it is way more of a ski town. Yeah, I heard he moved. Skiing, but. I heard he had moved out there because they were shitting on him for hunting or some shit. Yeah, basically. I, I mean, he's a redneck cool. kind of dude, right? Like, he likes yeah. engines and guns and shooting stuff, and he bow hunts or some shit too, yeah. right? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, he's yeah, like he's and yeah, you know, and he, lived, and, and he lived in the Bay Area, which yeah, is you ain't living, like, dude, anywhere in yeah. California. If you like guns, California is a tough fucking place to live. Oh yeah, like it's I tough. Know. And if you like, and if you like eating, killing your your own animals, that's no, not the like that either. either. If you, know. you know, like if you enjoy not paying massive taxes, <laughs> like, there's a lot of there's a lot of sucky shit about California. Like the weather is for all those taxes, you should be able to let you kill anybody for the, what you. I mean, at least let you have guns, and I mean, you know, it's interesting because California is the size of what four normal states. So, like, as you go to different spots, it gets very it's different. different. It's yeah, ev- very it's different, different everywhere. Right, yeah. so it's hard to say California as a whole. You know what I mean? Because it's so and look at like you know California like, right now should be leading the the 
the the industry with recreational marijuana, right? Look where Colorado. Oh, and, it's, and it's beyond and, fucked. You're like California's exactly. market's super fucked. Exactly. You know, the difference so, is though, Colorado had that world way longer than a lot than California. Like California, North California was they had one of the first well, growers, but to have but to have that community thing that was a Colorado. Regu regulated like this and stuff. It was almost because it was so entrenched in a black market kind of world. It made it a lot more difficult to regulate, and the size of the states way fucking bigger. Everybody treats it differently everywhere. They leave it up to like it's. It's beyond fucked. I mean, and it's, you know, they overregulate the shit out of themselves in California on multiple accounts, right? Like, not that's just what happened. Colorado were more like with the hillbillies, like the hillbillies with the moonshine. They were doing shit the way they want it. They were, they keep it to themselves. It's their own style. Like the early days of uh, bubble hash and all that early stuff and extracting and, and doing, uh, you know, old forms they of that. I used to hear that. Well, that was Colorado yeah. people. Part of it was the, uh, you know, we allowed concentrates early and there was no regs on it or anything. So like, you know, whereas it was a felony in California and they treated it like you were making meth or some shit. Yeah. You go to jail yeah. For yep. fucking ever. That just yeah. wasn't the case here. So it allowed us to advance chemistry a lot quicker. And a lot of like actual chemists started getting involved and started applying, yeah. you know, crystallization, well, purification kind of shit, yeah. all kinds of crazy stuff to being able to make, you know, better hash. Yeah, because all those yeah. early things, all that kind of bubble hash and all that type of shit, I would always hear from the Colorado people. And early on, good herb in the East Coast, before California, for us, we were getting Colorado stuff or Canadian. It was yep, like, yeah. you felt like, oh, we're getting the shit oh, from Colorado. That I remember like, way back, yeah, like way back on the East Coast, our first good buds were like British Columbia kind of shit. Exactly. It was BC, but then it turned like BC buds turned into swaggy kind of like they were just sort of mediocre mids, right? But I remember way back when like BC nugs were like diggity. Oh, yeah. Oh, look, you got a green one too. Yeah. What? A green, uh, the the Puffco Peak, man. It's oh, this was on the road. This oh yeah, I got I, I got mine. My my shit actually. I gotta clean my shit. I fucking <laughs> my shit like. Do you got a peak? I got pieces of Puffco. Shout out to Puffco Peak. Yeah. Now, let me it's... tell you, that's a nut. It's like a fender. <laughs> even if they hated me, I'd buy it. Uh, when it Warren, when did, it you, Dave, did you? Did you turn him yes, on to that shit? Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah, they they've introduced me to the Puffco. And then, I, you know, of course, I, I introduced it to Steph from Deftones who, who gave me this puff coat. I mean, I argue with my boy Tully about whether or not, like, he's like, you can't get a big enough dab out of it. And I was like, dude, I've seen Warren lose a lot. Are you crazy? Off the fucking yeah. ground, man. Like, you got to go <laughs> at it harder. The way I found out, my boy Swiss, he he, he, he works at an extraction company out there. Yeah, yeah. He works at uh, ETS yeah. down here in yes. Colorado. Yes. That's my Shout brother Swiss. Shout out to all those guys out there. Yeah. But when I went there to pay them a visit, they were like, hit this. And I was like, what is this? And it was the puff coat. And I said, I want one. I bought that one, broke that one. I bought like three or four of them since. I'm like, as far as the dab game comes, you ain't going to beat that. That shit is Dude, a, it makes a workhorse. It makes it it's so much more approachable too, right? Like, I mean – like your average person is not gonna go through the fucking ritual or busting out all the pieces. Yeah. The torch just seems so unapproachable for everybody because it's like, yo, that's yo, very that's, yeah. It, like, that's, for me, that was yeah. when I first, you know, it, it sends the, the wrong fucking like, message. What? Yeah, yeah. It like, sends smoking the wrong, weed or crack, right? Yeah, yeah. You know? exactly. Wrong message. So and then like, like the, and then when 
saw that. It's it, the size of it, the way it works. Yeah, you know, durability. You can travel with it. it. It's let me tell you, they're durable, man. Like, well, and I've gotten to like so like I've gotten to where I'll smoke when my mom's around. Less so when my dad, he's military, but um, but when my mom's around, like I mean, I'll. I'll at least go in the other room and rip a bong hit or something. And then I'll be like, I have a little dry bar area. I'll just stand there and like rip one real quick. But like, I wouldn't hit a dab around my mom. Like that's, it was just like, yo, that isn't like, I'm never going to bust. Exactly. It. Like, and the Puffco peak changed that game. Right. I can hit a Puffco peak. Cause it's kind of like taking, I, I lose a lung a little bit more. Right. But she's always like, She's like, you know, why do you cough so much? She's like, did you see the size of that hit? I just ripped. Jesus, fucking Christ. Why you know what? Same thing. I leave mine on the windowsill, and you could do it. You could get it in and yep. out. Yeah. Business, and and then you get a legit hit. You know what I mean? I had all the types of, um, um I had. Yeah, um, I got this cool little one now. Like it's got this little design on the inside and shit. I've had, I've had all types of, the dumb shit. I had stuff for 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 flowers. I can't stand the, like the flower pins and shit. The dab pens this, always get funky. The only yeah, flower pen, the only flower rig I love. I got one beef with it, but it's the mighty. The only reason I got a beef with it for flowers is that the bowl ain't big enough. But yeah, that yeah. shit's a work. Never course. are for a portable. Like they're never big enough, man. No, yeah, you no. have to bring something like this. You know what I mean? Come no, straight up sauce carts and the Puffco Peak, and then otherwise flowers. Yeah, I agree. You know, the Puffco Peak. As far as that goes, I'm like, for me. I never went past my dad never went big enough where the puff coat couldn't handle it. You know what I mean? Because yeah, dude. I get what they're saying. Like, so when I'm out there in Cali with them and they like fire a rig, like extra hot, I mean, you can seriously just drop a glob in there and boil the shit out of it. And like, and I'll lose an extra lung and it probably takes me to like where my eyes are crossed and I can't focus real quick, a little bit quicker, but I'm like, dude, I, you know, Meh. <laughs> like, I, I got all of everywhere. I'm finding these shits, these little pen holders. I got fucking old, all this shit. Look at all this shit is all burnt, throw away, um, ran through. I got all types of stupid shit. Look yeah. at this whole shit is full of pieces yeah. and what. But that's because that's also because we smoke at ignorant levels, right? So well, you know exactly. I mean? You know what? But I civilized it late a little bit more, a little bit. <laughs> well, now we now, now we got kids, right? So it, it's not the same, right? So but now, yeah, you know what I? What, that's why I love the pens. But, but the, that's why I was late today. What happened was, dude, I had London, you know, all week, right? And Amateur. Then today I, Amateur I, I hour. Blew a joint and I passed out, right? That's what happened. So you know what I loved about the pens that you could hit. So I'd be with my son outside, and I'd be like, "Yo, let's play something." I'll kick the ball, and while he's running to get the ball, I could hit it quick. You got one of those kaleidoscope pens, yeah? Did you get one of those kaleidoscope pens? Not yet, not yet, not yet. I had also, look at, I'm fighting. All not yet? God damn I it. These old, you know, look at this shit. And this is what I had. It's like, a, from, it's like a graveyard of uh, like old yeah, exactly. fucking old weed products. That are graveyard. <laughs> I got all over the Warren, you got to take care of your boy. Oh, that's right. You're down in Miami. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I'd be okay here and there just right now because the last day or two has been storming and a little bit crazy. So, so are a little you bit on the water. medical program there in. Uh, are you on the medical program down there? Nope. I'm. I've always been mentally on the medical pro program. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it's starting up to, to pop up. My boy, my yeah. boy's hooked up now. I, I wait for it. 
later on once they work out all the shit and then they get the you know they they going through the stages you know you yeah. go to the spots and they're still selling like half ass shit too you know what I mean. Like, I'm well aware. I like, just started. I will refrain from mentioning the company, but I just got involved with a group down there in Florida that <laughs> needed some help on their product so, and whatnot. Yeah, that, that, that's what's happening. What's happening I mean, now is... Like, my point to all those guys, dude, is they're competing against the black market, right? And the black market's got fire. Fire! Right? You ain't exactly. competing against the other jackass in the dispensary down there that also doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Like, exactly. I mean, you got to complete against the diggity. And some of it comes from Cali. Some, like, some exactly. of the best weed in the world came out of Florida. OG Kush? Exactly. OG Kush. Yeah. And OG Kush is from Florida. The yeah. Triangle Kush originally, that triangle that was down yeah. there is like. Because they used to have, back the in the parent day. In back in the day, in Florida had Crippies. I don't know what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Crippy. 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 Yeah, I tell you about that? My buddy, my buddy Pete. Shout out to Crippy Pete. <laughs> it was the Hold first on one second. What happened? <laughs> you know that guy, Dave? <laughs> yeah, no. The Crippies, that was, I knew about that in New York when I was a kid because they were like, you go to Florida, you get the Crippies. And it was like, yo. So the, the Crippie, from what I understand from Florida dudes, is that was more of a generic term for like kind bud, you know? Yeah. And, it, and it was a crew of dudes that were growing. And I think they may have been growing TK, but the Triangle Kush was called Triangle because it was like three different, like, Oh. Our producer could like you know pour out for like fucking two hours about all the lineage of this, but we yeah, did have when this group had run a bunch of like the genetic parents and stuff. TK at least was one of the upper parents of what is the SFV and the Ghost and all those OGs that then floated around California, and it was yeah. likely brought there out by some of that grippy crew, you know, folks yeah. that went out to Cali and were growing it, over the medical. It's program. crazy because that was like the. You know, back in the day, you would hear of, um, you know, um, before the OG Kush, it was in the East Coast, you heard BC, or they'd yeah. be like, yo, yeah, the Colorado, Beasties. but yeah. oh, Crip, Florida. So, and, and that was the big thing. And I was like, and the problem now here is what kind of happened, even though California always had good smoke, when they, when it started becoming legalized or whatever, people were selling the basic bullshit at the stores. And nobody wanted old trees or some stale, you know, spliff that's been sitting there for fucking a month, two months, yeah. you know, and that, that's what they're going through now. They're getting yeah. stuff that's like, even my well, boy. Well, you know, so in Florida, they require you to be completely vertically integrated. So it's not really an open market. So the stores can only sell product that they produced and grew and manufactured uh -huh. themselves versus like, sense. yeah. So if you have a market to where you can have somebody that's really good at growing and they can get flowers at all the stores, yeah. totally different game than, Hey, Mr. Jackass that wants to run a retail store. You have to be a great cultivator. You have to be a great manufacturer. And there's no doubt Florida's hot as fuck. Right. And in the humid is shit. So like growing weed in Florida ain't like growing weed in other places that are more, conducive to you know that plant anyway yep, so, exactly yeah. no but it's true it's like once they get their act together then maybe i get my act together dig it <laughs> well they'll <laughs> probably go wreck right i mean you're That's you guys are wreck up for wreck. yeah y'all are up for wreck again in november yeah i think so it's it'll, it'll happen because you know first of all it's a, a state we're full of a lot of older people and it's a beach it's like a, a california you know what i mean you it's a beach you yeah. know you got the coast is very beach oriented let me tell you, a, a spot in, in, in the Keys, in Key West, in any of the Keys, you become a, a, a billionaire. <laughs> How about that? People do love the, weed. They, what, the parrot heads, what they want to do, they want to drink their little drink on the beach, smoke their little thing, and listen to Jimmy Buffett. 
it's it. Yeah, it's not a bad life. True. It's not a bad life. <laughs> yeah. I'd I, 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 uh, change the Jimmy Buffett to Bob Marley, though, yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm a Marley Buffett. But, All right. Yeah, but they're getting it together. <laughs> well, that's good shit. Uh, Hoya, we, I think we're about at our time. Yeah, no shit. Two, two hours. <laughs> <laughs> a little over our time, but that's all right. Oh, yeah. Fuck, that's I all actually right. cook for my son right now. He's Dude. right now starving. He's like at the door, like yeah, like, yeah. I know it's late. Like, yeah. it's later, your guys' time, and we got a late start. I thought we were gonna keep this relatively brief, but like it was Me awesome. Too, but it's yeah, that's a good fucking rule. So. It's hard. It's hard to stop because, like, you know, we, I know. You know, it's good shit, and we've never gotten to hang out before, right? And I've been hearing yeah, about yeah. you for years. We now. will. We will after this Corona shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah after agreed. this pandemic. So, agreed. Well, yeah. All right, brother. All right. Well. Appreciate you coming on. Um, I know Warren will probably talk to you real soon, but I mean, I yeah. probably won't see you anytime real soon. I'll talk to you online. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk, dog, because I'm going to have you guys on my podcast. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So yes. real quick, so your, your podcast is relaunching here. When When's the next one drop? I'm actually picking up my mic tomorrow, my stuff, because you know, I'm getting my, my, my audio game back ready and everything, and I'm hoping to drop something in the next week, an introduction, and then I'm going to have you guys on it too. Sweet. Right, perfect. So that's perfect. the smoking yeah. word. And then you got your other, uh, when's the new project going to start to like true yeah, union. look out for true union. I'm hoping to drop it at least by this fall and yeah. a new mad ball album is in the, in the, in the works. I'm hoping to go out to California in a perfect world. I'll be out there in the winter. We could travel and recording. So fuck. Yes. That's we'll awesome. Yeah. Look forward to it, dude. Definitely. Yo, Yo I'll hit you up. Guys. Yeah. All right, brother. Let Appreciate me go cook. Much. All right. Peace. Later, man. That All was right, good. that was a good one, dude. Dude, he was fucking awesome. Like, yeah, I told you, man. He, I had dude, no idea that had gone two hours. <laughs> he's 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 like one of the most um insight. Like, th dude, that's why we got along so well back in the day because we would just sit there, smoke weed, and talk shit to each other. You know what I mean? And just talk about all kinds of shit, right? So, dude, he's dropped know, a shitload of weight since some of those other pictures too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's you know he's you know because the pandemic, bro. Everyone's you know what I mean. We're, everyone kept their health up and shit, you know what I mean? Instead of uh, uh, sitting around and, and, and you know, and, and being a couch potato or something, right? Everyone, same thing as you, me, right? I've, I've been working out every day, so. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you at least stay healthy, bro, at least, right? You get, make sure you get your eight hours, you know what I mean? Like that. I, sleep, I sleep well. I take my vitamins. Yeah, I, yeah I drink you drink your water, you know what I mean? So, I, stay, yeah, exactly. I stay thoroughly engaged in a myriad of projects. Yes. <laughs> I'm working on fucking Eric Johnson licks for my uh, Tasty Tuesday shit. Eric Johnson. Well, you, bro, you got to get the, uh, uh, first of all, you've been kind of slacking on the Tasty Tuesdays. Make right? it slack. When I bring them, I bring them, I bring them hard. Full video, well, like the whole thing, man. Well, dude, the next one should be. What yeah, yeah I'll blast out day. some Top Gun. I'll blast out some Top Gun. Why you gotta say it, man? What, I was what trying the to fuck, man? Surprise, like, I mean, you can season it up. It's not a surprise. What the fuck? Like, you've heard us play it a million times. Anybody that knows us, we played it every day on tour, just to fuck with AK <laughs> 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 and your brother. <laughs> but I got it now. I'm gonna have all kinds of whammy crazy. That's what I'm saying. You you added some little you know little additions yeah, to it. Some, Red, some spice. Know. Some spice. Yeah, I like to go over the top with the Tasty Tuesdays. Right. If I pull off Eric Johnson, it'll be seller though. That's the number three song. That's the number three. All right. We'll of the see. ones that I can never achieve. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. For no purpose other than, you know. Being famous on Instagram. I may not even put that on Instagram. 
No, you're gonna put everything you do. You it's a, to do it's a better things. it's a better achievement Listen. than like a new level in a fucking game, right? When I talk to Tully, like he's like, dude, I'm uh, just made it to level whatever of my battle pass, and I'm like, you know, <laughs> like at least I feel better than that. <laughs> like it's more rewarding. Than that. Wait, hold on. Was it as like is it gonna be as rewarding as when you learned how to do the the dime bag squeals? The Dimebag squeals, no. That that, that took you. Like, that has translated into everything I've done you, since. You it's the foundation your, you, of you shred. Bruised your, yo, you bruised your forearm. Like or an whatever, idiot, you know? I was doing it with a big, heavy, like Les Paul shaped guitar with a sharp edge and shit, right? And so I'm sitting there like, and it's like, I mean, if you do it six million times, yeah, eventually, yeah, like, oh, yeah my arm dude, fucking yeah. hurt, like it hurt. <laughs> Because well, I was doing it back too. I wanted to do it Steve Vai style, right? So because you know you pop it and then have to and you get the body up on there and like you know, yeah, which is cool, but not six hundred million times in a day, dude. No, you know? no, but I got it now. I can fucking pop that bitch all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> we used to call those uh, uh um squeals, right? This uh, squealy finger, Armin. We call them squealy finger. So worth it. I never knew how those guys did that shit, man. It's so rewarding. <laughs> it makes me giggle even still that's crazy because see i would imagine as you you know you as a younger guy you played in a metal band so i, what, I like, did but i know, never like i just never just, so, so that so all those years of, of of training you basically just seriously focused on like classical stuff and like theory you it never went, really yeah it went like i played but, in some metal band shit like but being a metal guy but hold on a sec being a metal guy i would think that you would translate that into like, you know what I mean? Metal, right? You would know some of the metal stuff, right? Well, I saw Crossroads and I realized you had to learn classical first. <laughs> and like, I don't know what happened, dude. Like, I was able to play and I learned some solos and shit, but I can never play them like I can play them now. I don't know what happened. So, you know? in, in other words, maybe if you had did that back in the day, you, had, you could have become a famous rock star. Yeah, if I had focused more. Yeah. I, if I had focused more. You know, now that I know a bunch of famous rock stars, though, I prefer the route that I took. I think things happen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Warren, you're the best friend I ever had, man. Uh, you pretty okay, too.